1: to the spoken the
0: spoken ladies and gentlemen
1: here is
0: lance twiddle
1: this is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Woodwall. Here inside the Starcade Media Studios, with my guy Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 196, full swing, full motion. We are so happy to be here with you. For you guys to be here with us, whether you are live streaming, whether you are podcasting, or whether you're YouTubing, thank you so much for being here with us in this time. As we have a lot to get to, a lot of a lot of sports to unpack, guys, whether it is ch- Chiefs related, NFL League-wide related. World Cup related, whatever it is, we're gonna to be touching on, guys. I promise you, we have a lot to get to, and we're gonna have a lot of fun to talk about these things. If you've not noticed, our guys, Trevor, uh, Trevor Twidwell is actually not with us today. He's a little bit under the weather, which I totally understand. Is the time of the season for that to be happening, but Eddie and I are gonna keep the show rolling for you guys. So do not worry, do not freak out. We are here to take care of what we do each and every week here at the Spoken Podcast. We want to thank you so much again, guys, for subscribing to our YouTube channel. If you've not already done that, go to our YouTube channel and hit subscribe. Hit the notification bar button whenever. We- We actually drop a new episode. You will get notified, and we would appreciate that greatly. Also, I want to send out a happy birthday to our fellow um, Chiefs content creator, Mr. Marcus Dash from the Chief Concerns uh, podcast show with Jason Dunn. It was his birthday yesterday. That's my guy. I got to talk to him this morning. And I uh, just wanted to wish him a happy birthday. The guy's getting closer to 30. He's about to join me, Eddie, and Trevor in that regard. And I just wanted to throw that out there because he's a great guy and he's been great to us here at the Spoken Podcast. And I just wanted to send that out to him as well. Also, our guys at All Chiefed Up, if you've not already followed them on YouTube, they have an incredible following already. I was on their show this week. Had a blast with the Williams brothers. Uh, had a lot to talk about when it came to the Chiefs at, as as currently constructed and what I see down the road. I would highly recommend you go and check out that episode I did with them just a few days ago. Really good show, really good guys. A lot of good shows out there. A lot of good content providers, and um, we are appreciative of you guys being here with us when there is so many. There are so many options out there. You guys choose to hang out with us, and uh, we don't take that for granted. So let's uh, let's get started here, man, because I think there's a lot to get to. Um, if you guys have not noticed, I don't know if you guys follow me on Twitter or on Facebook. I uh, I didn't I didn't tweet or post as much this week as I have in previous weeks, as you guys know me to be notoriously uh, doing each and every day. And it's because I needed to take a big breath. I needed to take a deep breath. I needed to collect myself. Because, uh, you know, Eddie and I, we, we work in the same office, and there was a lot of influx this week, if you will. We're changing locations. We had a lot of work to do this week. A lot of sicknesses in our in my household, so you know we've had a, a lot to deal with. But the biggest thing I want to talk about in regards to this episode and what I had to accept and what I had to take a deep breath on is the current reality of the Kansas City Chiefs. Now you guys have to bear with me because I have a lot to say when it comes to what's going on. So we know what happened this week, but I want to I want to tarantino this bad boy a little bit, kind of work our way back to the beginning and then work to the end. The Patrick Mahomes era has been unlike anything we've ever seen in the NFL. You know, the Tom Brady era with the Patriots had a ton of success throughout its 20 years, but even Brady missed the playoffs completely in his second season as a starter, where the Chiefs have been at least hosting the AFC Championship every season Mahomes has been at the helm. And throughout the process of something so unprecedented occurring, the Chiefs have enjoyed being not only the face of the AFC and the NFL as a whole, but have owned some teams in the process. Look at the AFC West in particular. It hasn't been much of a competition since Peyton Manning retired after the 2015 season, seeing the Chiefs have won it every single season since he hung it up. But the way the Chiefs have flat-out dominated it since 2018 is what makes it so impressive. Having never lost a road divisional game and only losing three games to AFC West opponents altogether by a combined 13 points... The Chiefs have owned the AFC West for the better part of a decade, and in particular in the Mahomes era. Then you look at the AFC playoff, the AFC landscape as a whole. The Bills have been that up and coming team that everyone has tirelessly tried to make into the Chiefs' rival, with Josh Josh Allen as their quarterback. And even with the Bills winning their last two regular season games versus the Chiefs, the Chiefs have ended the Bills' last two postseason runs. In other words the Chiefs have owned the Bills. So from 2018 to January of 2022, the Chiefs didn't have a single AFC opponent that could even make the case that they were a legitimate rival throughout that span. And then the Chiefs visited the Bengals on January 2nd, 2022. A game that started off rather odd with Chiefs starting linebacker or left tackle Orlando Brown Jr. being a last second scratch with a leg injury during warmups. Then his replacement, Lucas Niang, who was putting together a very solid season at right tackle, went down with his own leg injury before halftime, forcing left guard Joe Tooney to play left tackle, which essentially put the Chiefs down three offensive linemen. And that was just the beginning of the fiasco that took place that day. From drop passes from Tyreek Hill that could have led the Chiefs going up to 35 17 half, to 3rd and 17 conversions for the Bengals where Charverius Ward had his entire hand on the ball to some of the worst officiating in NFL history by the last-minute replacement refs, Ron Torbert and crew, stepping in for John Hussey, giving the Bengals six first downs on third down penalties, to kick returns called back on holding penalties from Zane Anderson, which I'm pretty sure I hate more than any player that's ever worn a Chiefs jersey. Regardless, the Chiefs gave up a double-digit lead in the second half, scoring only three points and losing 34-31. to 31. I thought after that game, we talked about this on. We talked about it on the show uh, that following weekend. We talked about it to a lot of different people. That I felt that the Chiefs were still the better team and just had some really bad luck in one game. And it was so much bad luck that not even Patrick Mahomes could overcome that in one single setting and, not, and just in just four quarters and a little bit of overtime. And then these teams meet less than just one month later. And at this time, it was an arrowhead a week after the Chiefs beat the Bills in the greatest game in NFL history. Trev, Eddie, and I watched that game. It was simply legendary what what happened between the Chiefs and the Bills that week. And just one week later, the Bengals come into town. After that, no one could have convinced me that anybody was going to stop the Chiefs from getting back to the Super Bowl for a third consecutive time. Because to me, the Bills and Chiefs game was the Super Bowl. And just like their Week 17 matchup, the Chiefs jumped all over the Bengals in the first half, going up 21-3 to with an opportunity to go up 28-3 to with seconds remaining in the ball within the five-yard line, and the theories continue to swirl about as to how it failed or why it failed, but the Chiefs found a way to come up empty-handed on that drive, creating a frustrating and uncertain vibe in the stadium. But the Chiefs still very much had control of that game. Just like Week 17. And just like Week 17... The Chiefs scored only three points in the second half and gave up a double-digit lead and lost by three. This is when it set in. Okay, this is that team. This is that quarterback that can stand toe-to-toe with the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes. And I remember we had this conversation, Eddie. I know you could, we could talk about this when it came to the prediction show and what we saw from the AFC landscape as far as you know what team is going to be that rival. And I remember we had this conversation about what... I don't feel that there's any team that really is a rival to the Chiefs, but if there is one team out there that could be that rival, even though everybody has tried so hard to make the Bills that team because the Chiefs and the Bills have faced off multiple times in the last couple of years in the postseason... It wasn't the Bills because they weren't rivaling the Chiefs when it mattered most, but it was the Bengals that were the ones that were doing that, and I said that would be the team that if I had to put a name out there, it would be them, because it's the Bengals outside of Tom Brady and the Patriots that have beaten the Chiefs in the Mahomes era in both the regular season and postseason, literally the only ones that have done it. And had Tom Brady and the Patriots stuck together for a couple more years, then you could talk about multiple rivalries for the for the, for the Chiefs in the AFC play, playoff picture. So the Bengals have placed themselves in a very special category. Now you fast forward to week 13 of this season, and you have a game that although did not start out the same way the previous two meetings did between these two teams, the Chiefs had so many opportunities to put the Bengals away, so many opportunities to answer back to get justice for what took place last season, And when your defense allows 431 yards, allow the Bengals to convert seven of their 11 third downs, your head coach gets outcoached again, your quarterback gets outplayed again, and your superstar tight end fumbles on a momentous drive that the Chiefs build off of their defenses. One real stop of the game, up 24-20 in the fourth quarter. Oh! and you have your newly acquired veteran safety Justin Reed talking shit and writing checks he can't cash unless you consider getting dribbled like a basketball by Samaji P. Ryan, justice is the furthest thing from reality, and instead, the Chiefs were handed their third consecutive loss from the Bengals in less than a full year. As much as the Chiefs have owned the AFC West, As much as the Chiefs have owned the Bills, as much as the Chiefs have owned the AFC for the majority of the last five years, the Bengals own the Chiefs. That's not something I ever thought I'd say about a team led by the greatest quarterback in the world, but the Bengals simply have the Chiefs number, and it's time we accept that. And sure, all three games could have ended differently. The Chiefs could have done more. But they didn't, and that's why Burrow and the Bengals are 3-0 in this matchup. And why I want nothing to do, I want nothing to do with Cincinnati in the postseason. This isn't me saying that the Chiefs can't figure it out and turn this around. Because all of the issues that led to all three losses are very fixable. But for whatever reason, the Chiefs can't seem to get out of their own way and take what the Bengals give them and counter it with a more efficient, Attack! I have stated on so many occasions that I believe that the Chiefs are the best coaching staff in the NFL. But Eddie, I am beginning to lose a little confidence in that when I see Andy Reid dial up a direct snap to his backup running back on a goal line play tied up 17-17 in a game you have to win in order to not only end this losing streak against the Bengals, but maintain the one seed and continue to control your own destiny. I have my worries when I see the Chiefs down 27 24 with three and a half minutes left. They have an opportunity to go up fourth and three, uh, opportunity to go for it on fourth and three, and give your $500 million quarterback the go win it, go win the damn ball kind of, go go win the damn game kind of situation. Decide to instead kick a 55 yard field goal for a chance at a tie. And did I have confidence in that moment that Butker was going to make the field goal? Yes, because those are the kinds of kicks that Butker consistently makes. But even if he did, did any of us really expect or anticipate that the Chiefs defense would stop the Bengals from driving down again getting at least in field goal range? Because I didn't, and they didn't, seeing they couldn't stop the Bengals on 3rd and 11 on the following drive. This game as a whole put a, lot of, put a lot into perspective in how I view the AFC hierarchy. I do still believe the Chiefs will get back the one seed, and we can talk about that later. I do still believe the Chiefs will get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. We can also talk about that later. But they better hope the Bengals trip up before a potential round four because I don't have any real confidence that it will go any differently than the previous three rounds. Just like I wouldn't expect a matchup with the AFC West or a playoff matchup with the Bills to go any differently than they have in the past for the Chiefs. The Chiefs have to prove to me that they can beat the Bengals before I can say they will beat the Bengals. Eddie, give me your thoughts on this game. I know you're the one of us three that picked the Bengals. You stood by your your convictions. You were 100% correct. Did this game go the same way that you anticipated it was going to go? And did you think that the Chiefs lost a lot, missed a lot of opportunities to finally get that victory over Joe Burrow?
0: Yes, I think this game went exactly how I thought it was going to go. Uh, Joe Burrow making plays. Uh, Jamar Chase making plays. Uh Obviously, the Bengals doing whatever they want defensive wise. Uh, obviously, picking apart the rookies. Uh, it you can't if you're Spagnolo, you can't do one on ones, especially with rookie rookies. I think if Jamar Chase was in 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 the field, I think it was a, a luxurious need guy. That had to be his guy at all times. Anytime Jamar Chase was on the field, that had to be uh, luxurious need. I know you want uh, Snead to, to you know to do those kind of blips packages. I love those blitz packages because Snead is, is great at those. But when you're when you're uh front you when your front seven can't even get to the port, can't create a pressure, just abandon that and, and double double the, the best receiver that they have. Yeah. If they don't have the best receiver, they have to rely on other things and, and that can uh favor the Chiefs uh defense in, in different ways. And they didn't take the uh, take those uh, opportunity. Didn't take those chances. They uh, they stuck to the same game plan that they lost the two games uh, with. Uh, it was the exact same game plan. Just keep the rookie uh, on uh, on Jamar Chase or keep uh, your second best corner in uh, Charveris Ward on Jamar Chase. I-, I think this this should tell us that Spagnolo. It's, it's starting to become that uh, Bob Sutton, in a way. Uh, you know, Bob Sutton, towards the end of his tenure, was very, very uh, hard-headed, I guess you can say. Uh, he didn't want to change anything. He didn't want to change his style. Spagnolo has taught us differently. He does adjust, but for some reason, against the Bengals, against against pressure, against uh, when you can't get the pressure, Spagnolo sticks to his system, and it it, it always seems to fail. Uh, we saw it. we saw it with the bills earlier this season, and then we saw it again against the Bengals, uh, this as well. Defense cannot get to the quarterback that, 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 was, that on its own is an issue. Uh, and Joe Burrow last season was the most sacked quarterback in the league. I believe so. And the, the, the chiefs couldn't get a sack. Same thing this season. Uh, Joe Burrow gets sacked quite a bit. But the Chiefs cannot create any any kind of pressure at all. At all. Joe Burrow had the time of his life. He was he was cruising. He was doing whatever he pleased. Uh yeah, that defense showed me uh nothing but bad bad film. Like, uh, there's nothing I can take from this defense on this game. They've had good games in the past. But what they did against the Bengals is it's like non existent. Uh, offensive wise, uh, I don't know why Andy Reid chooses to abandon the run game. We saw Pacheco. Pacheco was doing his thing. He was getting, he was getting those five yards, those four yards, those six yards, those ten yards. He was getting the yards, but then he abandoned the game when he once Andy Reid felt the pressure. Once we started falling back, he started abandoning the run game. I don't know why we did that. I think if we'd have stuck to the run game, I think we'd have. Forced the Bengals to adjust the defense and it would have given Patrick Mahomes a, a better better chance because you, you're you're gonna have to the defense is gonna have to adjust to that because now now you, now you have to defend the run game and end the pass game so now you don't know what the defense is gonna get so Patrick Mahomes <clears throat> could, could have had a, a easier day and then Travis Kelsey with the fumble I, I don't blame him as much for the fumble um I think the refs should have blew the the, the play dead uh, sooner. But at the same time, if you're Travis Kelsey, if you you get hit and you got two players, three players are wrapped around you, fall to the ground, take it, try and get that knee on the on the ground, the shin, yep. get something on the ground, so the the the, the play is dead. I know you want to give those extra three yards, those extra four yards, but when you have people poking poking at the ball, poking at the ball, and you have four defenders on you. It, it's better to to, to to go down and, you know, continue the continue the drive. You picked up like twenty yards on that drive. So I don't I don't know what happened to to this offense towards the end of the game. Uh it was just very hard to see how bad this team struggles against the Bengals. I don't I don't know what it is. I said it last week. The Bengals are the Chiefs script tonight and you guys were kinda like Laughed it at first, but now that we see it, it's, it, it, it is what it is. It, it, it's exactly like that. For some reason, the Bengals against the Chiefs play the best game of their lives. Because we see the Bengals week in, week out. They have bad games. Yep, They have bad games against bad teams. It's just, I don't know what it is against the Chiefs. I don't know if it's the motivation. <clears throat> and I told Lance earlier this week, I was like, shit talking never works especially before a game and it's funny because yesterday i told lens it's like shit talking is zero and two this week well now it's zero and three so it's it's something that you shouldn't do uh if you if you're not gonna back it up i'm more i'm more of those kind of people that shit talk after the game after it happened you know what i mean it's like i told you i was gonna do you know I, yep. or Yeah, I locked him up all night, you know. That's just who I am. That's the player I am. (laughs) Yada, yada, yada. After the game, after the fact, not before the game, because all you're giving is the other team motivation. What do the Chiefs fuel off the most against big teams? When they shit talk. Especially, remember Jalen Ramsey? Yeah. When he shit talked Tyreek Hill saying he was a punt returner?
1: Taven Smith the same thing when exactly like, come come see me after the game yep the Titans this season uh, against the Chiefs Buccaneers the Bucks.
0: You said I mean you never shit should... I Learned this the hard way and that was when I when I played soccer never shit talk your opponents until it's over Once it's over, you know the outcome shit talk all you want. Yep. I don't care. You know, what I mean it's over yep. It's a it, it already happened I love the fact that Andy Reid doesn't like that, and I support that. Not that I'm like, not that I'm against shit talking or anything like that, but if you can't back it up, don't do it. It's better to do it after the game, after the fact. But yeah, the the Bengals just had had their day, uh, had a had a good game, and a lot of people. I see a lot of people is like, well, if Bucker would have made that field goal. You gotta understand; it's a fifty-five-yard field goal. Field goals, as, as it is, they're pretty hard. They're pr- pretty hard, and a fifty-five-yarder. I mean, yes, uh, Butker has us uh, like accustomed to him making those kinds of kicks, but at the same time, you have to understand that how hard it is to make those kicks.
1: And furthermore, Eddie, to that point, when you talk about it, and, and kind of like what I said in my opening monologue, it's like you you go for the field goal. That's the problem I have. Whether Butker makes it or not, you could sit here and blame him for missing it. But even if he makes it... The Bengals still have over three minutes Exactly. And, and do, did we see anything outside and, of the Chiefs' fourth down stop from yeah, Carlos look, Dunlap? Look
0: at that next drive. They were already on field goal range when they kneeled the ball. Exactly. It's a, Nothing in this defense told me that we were going to stop him, even if uh, Butker had made that field goal. I think at that point in time, when it's three minutes left... You see what Joe Burrow has done to this defense. You have arguably the best quarterback in the league,
1: and you—it's the game on the game is on the line. And Mahomes, they said, you know, you saw him hobbling off the field. Yeah. But Andy Reid himself said, "I didn't see that, and that wasn't a factor in the situation." Yeah, he said, no. "I was going for the field goal regardless," yeah, which so. is a problem for me because you're going for the conservative you're, yeah, approach. You're going for the tie. You ha- on the road against a team like this that you know has been dicing you your defense up all yeah. game. And and I get it.
0: Then we don't convert, let's say we don't convert that fourth down, at least I'll be at peace knowing that, hey, we try to beat this Bengals team. You put teams. the ball in Patrick Mahomes' yeah, hand to win or you lose gave, the game. You gave Mahomes a chance to beat this Bengals team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when you take it away from Mahomes and try to make a 55-yard field goal and then give Joe Burrow over three minutes to drive the ball down the field and only score a field. Only, they only needed a field goal to win the game. Yeah. They did. They drove down the field like it was nothing. They converted. I think it was a thirty-three and eleven on that on that last drive. Yeah. I think. And then that defense. I don't know. Was it? Uh, I think it was Sneed and uh, was it Thornhill and Sneed that that had the Jamar Chase that could have sacked him for a loss. Like they could not sacked the Olay play yeah. where
1: he just dove at him and it was yeah, yeah no that like
0: they could have tackled him for a loss, but they kind of like hesitated. Yeah. Don't hesitate. Those plays, go for it. If you missed the tackle, at least you tried.
1: And when it comes to this defense, the biggest issue I have with it in this game in particular, and we've seen it in some other games too against, uh, ironically, uh, other good offenses of teams that are going to be probably in the playoffs going for the AFC Championship against the Chiefs is... The the lackluster ta- the lackluster ta- tackling from the secondary. We talked about this from the draft, about how the Chiefs went so heavy in secondary. They went and got four rookies in the secondary. They went and got Justin Reed in the offseason. And I'm thinking, okay, they're going to build their defense through their secondary, and I'm okay with that. It's not really my idea. I'd rather have a great pass rush, a front seven that can get pressure, because to me, that's more an effective defense and winning games. Yeah, like but, that you don't
0: need the greatest corners. You don't need because yes. you're creating, you know, you're and facilitating the game yeah. for the corners.
1: Yes, I, and, I, and I'm okay if as long as it works. And we've seen the Chiefs' secondary have big games and good games and good moments and things of that nature. But in games like this against a Joe a Joe Burrow type of quarterback, where he's going to make elite throws, you're going to need your your front four to make pressures and I said in our pregame that I want to see Spagnuolo's trust his front four with getting pressure to Joe Burrow and it wasn't until that final drive where Joe Burrow literally gave himself up and Karloff has touched him that Chiefs didn't get a sack, a sack yeah. and eight of the 12 games this season for the Bengals Joe Burrow's been sacked at least two times and some of these defenses they face that sacked him multiple times are bad defenses so there's no excuse here and this is again when it comes to coaching and it comes to execution, that I understand that Brett Veach wanted to take an approach differently this year, and I'm sure that this next offseason they're going to spend money on a on a defensive end or go and trade for a guy, things of that nature. But in this season in particular, this is not a rebuild year, which I do not expect it to be for the Chiefs. I don't think they viewed it that way, even though they traded Tyreek Hill, and they got a bunch of rookies starting right now. They have a new offense, essentially. You have to be able to get to the quarterback, especially against a an a, a, a offensive line like the Bengals that have been known to give up pressures to their quarterback. And again, Joe Burrow running for first downs like he did in the first half—what in the literal, literal hell is happening? Where's how do you allow that to happen for a quarterback that is not known to run at all, let alone for first downs like that? I mean, it's just the defense at times looks so lost. I would understand if this game was in Week Three and these guys were still figuring things out. Or if Trent McDuffie was out. Or if another pivotal piece was gone for this week. The defense was primarily healthy in this game. And they've been playing together for two, three months. So there's no real excuse here. And again, when the game goes almost the exact same way three straight times, you have to stop looking at it as, as, as looking for blame or looking for, well, you know, they got lucky on this. Because again, officiating was terrible in this game too. I thought the, uh, the, the play that they called the pass interference that Juan Thorno picked the ball off was a terrible call. But you have to be able to adjust to things like that, especially when you have two, three quarters to go. You had multiple opportunities, and when you have an opportunity to give the ball to your the best quarterback on the planet that you're paying half a billion dollars to, to go get that first down and run that clock down, and then go and get the win, you have to do it. You cannot kick a field goal and say, all right, defense, so let's see what you got. No. No. This team is going to win and lose games based on what Patrick Mahomes does. Would it be better to have a defense that you know could go and do those things? Absolutely. That's why Tom Brady has seven Super Bowls. Because he always had a top ten defense that could stop those types of drives. That's not the reality here in Kansas City. So you have to make do. And how do you make do? You give Patrick Mahomes the opportunity to go in and winning that damn ball ballgame. And I would like to believe that there's a better chance Patrick Mahomes gets that fourth and three conversion than Harrison Butker having to go out there and kick a 55-yard field goal. And have you noticed that we
0: haven't even addressed uh, the Chiefs O-line? This game this game showed me how much Joe Tooney means to this offensive line. It is, it is unbelievable how bad Orlando Brown is without Joe Tooney. It is insane to see how easily he's beat through the outside. And furthermore, we cannot have or we cannot give a sack on a three-man rush—that Th- is—that is inexcusable. There, there's literally zero fucking excuses for that. When your quarterback gets sacked on a three-man on a three-man rush, throw the whole fucking offensive line <laughs> away. It—that's—that's that's just so atrocious. That—that that is bad. That is terrible. I can't even sit here and say, well, I mean, Allegretti or whatever. <coughs> Allen Gritty's
1: a a spot filler. Exactly, he's a spot filler. He
0: fills into whoever whoever gets hurt. Andrew Wiley on the other side. Oh my god, he was terrible
1: again. It
0: they had. I know they brought Nianga for a couple drives. I don't think he played the uh, a lot. I know I I saw him there for a couple drives out there. He looked good. He looked better than Wiley, for in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, he's still trying to get back from that from the injury he had last season. Uh, I think we're gonna start seeing a lot more Niang in this home stretch, especially in the playoffs. I think Niang is gonna be the starter going into the playoffs, especially how the the offensive line is going. You can't afford to have a, a weak player on on this offensive line. You need your best, you you need your best men up there, and Joe Tooney is that guy. I think he's the leader of the entire offensive line. He missed this game. His press, uh, his uh, absence was very well made aware. Yeah, to to the fans. You yeah. saw
1: Hendrickson get through that 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 little where Orlando Deep Brown was burns. anticipating. Because yep. I think what happened in that play now that I've watched the play over and over again, I do believe Orlando Brown was anticipating that M- McKinnon, McKinnon was going to be there for the chip. He wasn't there. Gives up the pressure. Mah- Mahomes. Was, I think Mahomes is going to run out anyway. And I don't think Mahomes is anticipating that McKinnon was going to be there on the outside when everybody points out. Oh, McKinnon was wide oh, open on the good. flat. I don't think that was the play. I think that McKinnon think, was supposed to change. I think, there. yeah,
0: I think uh, McKinnon extended the play because he saw that, okay, Mahomes is going to break out. He's going to, so he broke out. And
1: that's what's frustrating about these plays because you're right. Under no circumstances can you give up sacks with three men rushing because, again, the Bengals did the drop eight, which we were anticipating to happen. We all knew that. And again, Patrick Mahomes was not creating plays with his legs. Because in that play, when he got tripped up, I do believe he was going to run for the first down. I do yeah. believe that was going to happen. So I'm not going to sit here and knock him on that one. My point, though, is we didn't see enough of that where over my dead body, like Trevor said last week, about over my dead body, you're not going to beat us this time. I didn't see that. I didn't sense that. I know that MVS dropped a touchdown. I know there were other miscues. I know that uh, Juju Smith-Schuster who extended a drive on that third I think, five and then got hurt again. They're missing Kadarius Tony. They're missing McCole Hardman. And that's also what I want to bring up, too. Because to your point, Joe Tooney is the highest paid guard in the league. Yeah. And not having him for two weeks has shown he's big earned, time this he year. He's earned that, that paycheck. He is a, he is a, he is a, a staple to this offensive line. Yeah, he wide. earned that paycheck for me. And Orlando Brown Jr. 100% misses him. And as soon as Niang can fill up that right tackle position, he's got he's to take man. that. Because Andrew Wiley, all respect to him. Love him to death. He's done the best he yes, can. Yes, he's a backup for a reason. And that is Lucas Niang's job to lose, in my opinion, at this point. But... This is, this is being shown more than people want to accept it or realize because there's a lot of haters out there, especially for Nicole Hardman, that he has been missed. Yes. You didn't see the juice for this offense in this game. There wasn't a lot of speed. You didn't see that out there. Sky Moore was existent in this game. Kadarius Tony was missed big time. Now, he's only played two games for the Chiefs, but so we don't know. Game. But, yeah, you could tell he was missed. McCole Hardman was 100% missed in this game because this is one of those games that could have very well turned into, like, a 49ers game where McCole Hardman just took over, and he didn't because he wasn't there. He's still injured. So... These guys are missing. And so once Kadarius Toney and McCole Hardman get back, it's going to be such a nice boost for the Chiefs' offense. It's going to be massive for their drive down this final stretch going into the playoffs, so whatever they decide to get back. I know Kadarius Toney's been ruled out for this week against the Broncos. And they say he should be back next yes, week. Yes, and McCole should be back next yep. week as well. So, so Joe should, Joe Tootie's practiced all week. He's been a full participant, so he should be back. But these three guys were 100% missed down the stretch in this for game. Sure. And to say, and the, the one saving grace, God, I don't want to sound too negative about this game because I do believe that Chiefs at full strength could have very well won this game. They should have won this game anyway. There are multiple opportunities as we talked about. Travis Kelsey fumbling the ball like that is just simply inexcusable. Uh, the defense just giving up uh, third down after third down to the Bengals is simply inexcusable. But even with that, guys, there are bright sides to this because the Chiefs to me are still the team that are going to host the AFC, the AFC Championship because I do believe they're going to get that one seed. And they still have the best head coach, quarterback combination in the league. But this is something we have to now pay attention to. It's something we do have to accept as a fan base. And the Chiefs Chiefs have to accept it right now that this is not a rivalry. This is not something that you can say. Well, the Chiefs are still, you know, the Bengals and the Chiefs are still neck and neck. No, they're not. And the Bengals are right now, I think, the four seed or the 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 six seed in the in the AFC yeah. playoff picture. So it's wild they're to one, think that
0: they're literally one one game behind. Uh, I think the Ravens.
1: Yeah, yeah, and 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 and, and now with Lamar Jackson probably going to be out a couple weeks, oh. the Bengals can really gain ground here. But then they have a matchup with the Browns this week, and Man. we can talk about that in a minute yeah, as far as the matchups are gonna, as well, don't they? The uh, Jets and Bills play this week. That's right. Yeah, the the Browns and Bengals play this week. We're going to get to our Week 14 picks in a second. But, Chiefs fans, we have to accept this right now. That I know it's only a combined nine points that the Bengals have beaten them in these three games. But if it was reversed, imagine if the Chiefs had won these games by right. three each time. Would we all not be sitting here going, Patrick Holmes owns Joe Burrow? Would yeah. we not all be sitting 100%. here saying the Chiefs own the Bengals?
0: And, 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 and to that point, we can't sit here and, and say this is our rivalry. Like, like you said, why why is it not a rivalry to your point? We have yet to beat the Bengals. There is no rivalry there. I guess you can say that there's a quarterback rivalry Yeah, 100% there is is Joe Burr against Patrick Mahomes, but team wise. I don't I don't see a rivalry there yet uh, They own us. Uh, we have to accept the fact that they own us uh, But Chiefs fans, remember it's still regular season many games left to go and we still got the playoffs, but I hope the Chiefs learn from this, from this loss. It's a big loss, and I hope they learn from this. And and uh, pretty much get better. Yeah. See what they messed up in. See what like because these players that were missing this game could very well miss be missing in the playoffs. So you have to adjust and learn how to adjust. And I hope this game. Help them learn for, for the to that adjustment, so I, I I hope this this is a learning lesson to the Chiefs uh, I mean we're, we're still we're still tied for the one seed nothing. It's not, it's not like the end of the world so Let's move on to the next week. It hurts, but
1: We still got many games to go 100% and again, this is something that I think is very fixable this is something that the Chiefs... The Chiefs' problems aren't something like where it's like, ah, well, it's over, it's over man. Yeah, this season they're exposed. They can't... They- no, I truly do believe the Chiefs can figure out a way to, to beat the drop eight. I do ex- I do expect that Andy Reid's finally, at some point, going to stop getting so goddamn cute in the red zone with these stupid-ass direct snaps to backup running backs or to Blake Bell and a little toss over here that he did last year. If you stop doing those things and start realizing where your strength comes from, which is your quarterback, then things are going to get a lot more easier for you guys. Like That's the thing. That's why I always say the Chiefs beat themselves. Because they do things like that that are just like, you don't see Joe Burrow doing that. You don't see the Bengals doing that. You don't see the Bills doing that. When it comes to your your the, the teams that you compare yourself to in the AFC, they don't do stupid shit like that in the red zone. Why is that? Because more times than not, those plays aren't going to work, and then it's just going to make you look silly. Stop doing stupid shit in the red zone, and you're going to start scoring more more touchdowns. Again, you can't... As much as I say that McCole Hardman has been missed, you can't sit here and say, well... The Chiefs can't score in the red zone because McCollum's gone. No, you have you still have a ton of weapons. You still have Patrick Mahomes out there. There are no excuses. You can drive down the field and score points with what you got out there now. So go and do it. It's the it, I'm I'm just I'm I'm over the the excuses. But I will throw out a hot take here because I'm, I'm talking about and Then we're gonna get to the Eddie Hour. I think the Chiefs should really consider bringing back McCollum next year, signing him to a long term deal. And here's the reason why. I know that Kadarius Tony was brought in and everybody thinks he's going to be McCall Harbin's replacement. Do we really know for certain if Kadarius is going to be a healthy replacement? We don't. I like the kid's talent, but he's always hurt. And that's something I'm worried about. And if you look at, according to SpotRack.com, McCole Hartman's current market value is four years, $44.1 million. That is 11 million a year. Sign, sign me you. up for that. If I can get McCole Hartman on a four-year deal worth $44 million, say, I would do it.
0: Yeah, let's say you can get McCole for 11 a year, and then you, you probably, you probably, if, if Juju stays loyal, if, if Juju wants to win, he'll probably take like a 16 17 a year. Sign me up for those contracts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sign me up now.
1: Uh, I mean, McCole's 24 years old. He won't even be 25 till next season. Yeah. So I mean you look and at it still what Juju's 25 five, yeah you know, he so, just turned maybe just turned 26, but yes I mean he's still in his he, he's yet to get his prime outside of this season because McColl's now missed he's going to miss four games he has never missed a game in his career and he's become more and more and more a pivotal piece this season in particular now if the chiefs want to go draft a guy and say, hey, this is the guy that we think will become that McColl replacement, and we'll see what Kadarius Tony does next year because they have what two more years? I think of, of two or three more years of, of control over Kadarius Tony's contract. That's one thing. Yeah. But if they can't find that guy, and and they look at McColl and say, you know, eleven million a year is not bad. And we can get out of the Marquez Valdez-Scantling contract after this season because the $9 million this year, they don't have $9 million on his contract next year. They can cut cut him, get rid of him. That's no big deal. And then you can just pay McCole Hardman, pay Juju Smith-Schuster. With all that cap money they're going to have next year, they can do an extension with Chris Jones. There's a lot of options here. But I wanted to throw that out there now because I do believe when McCole Hardman comes back, he's going to go right back to what he was doing, which is being an effective red zone efficient player. I think that McCole Hartman's finally coming into his own. He'll never become a, a great route runner. He'll never be he'll never be a wide receiver one. But if this guy's scoring six to eight touchdowns a season for this team, I would sign up for eleven million dollars a year if this because he's also played big in the postseason too, yeah. and he plays special teams. He's there's a lot of value behind McCall Hardman.
0: And now you can now since Tyreek is gone, the way we've used uh, McCall Hardman, we've actually used him to his advantages. Yeah, I think that that's why he has the most touchdowns in his career this season, right? Yes, uh, there's a reason to that because we've used him to his to his advantages to what what we expect McCall Hardman to do. Yeah, so. If we can do that and continue to use McCall Harvitt the way we've been using them uh, and not expect him to be a Tyreek Hill out there He's gonna succeed and I think the Chiefs are gonna succeed
1: That's where we're gonna leave this Chiefs Bengals conversation if you guys have takes on that if you guys have thoughts on it Hit us up on our YouTube channel. Let us know what you guys think about this one Do you feel that the Chiefs can bounce back from this third consecutive loss to the Bengals? Do you guys think that the Chiefs are in trouble? What do you think about the Michael Harden take that I had as far as, you know, maybe the Chiefs trying to bring him back for a few more years? Because I think it's something that is definitely on the table. And I think it's actually something the Chiefs are talking about and will continue to talk about as the season goes on and go into the offseason. But there's still plenty of football left. The Chiefs have five more games to go. Uh, I, I think that the Chiefs have the best situation right now of all the AFC teams that are fighting for that one seed. When you look at the schedules in comparison to the Bengals, in comparison to the Bills, the Chiefs have a great opportunity here to run the table. We're going to talk about that in just a minute, but let's get to the Eddie hour first and foremost because my, I know my guy Eddie's probably got plenty to talk about. So, Eddie, the floor is yours. What's in the Eddie hour this week? All right, man, let's let's
0: get into the, the, the I guess, the, the new rule the NFL kind of implemented on us this week, and that's uh, faking. Uh, because we obviously we saw it against the the, the Chiefs, uh, we saw it on Sunday night with the uh, uh, Cam uh, what's Cam name? Jordan, Cam Jordan. Uh, so they have uh, the NFL has uh, officially come down and he, they have fined the Saints three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. <coughs> uh, the head coach Dennis Allen one hundred thousand, co defensive coordinator Ryan Nelson fifty thousand, and Cameron Jordan fifty thousand for what the league felt was. Uh, Jordan faking an injury, uh, I love this. I love this because th- this will definitely it, you you're hurting players where it matters the most to them, and that's their money. Yeah, don't fuck with their money. And I agree with I, I agree with that. Don't fuck with their money. But when you're doing <laughs> stupid things, stupid, you get stupid rewards. You know what I mean? Yep. So I like how the league is taking a step uh, forward on this and trying to avoid uh, players faking injuries. Uh, players uh, – and, and people are going to say it's like, how do you know when they're faking an injury? We saw it clearly against the Bengals. It Jesse a, Bates. Yeah. yeah. We, we, clearly. And then yep. obviously with the Saints, you when he took that – we all – you can tell when it, they're faking injuries and when it's an actual injury. Yeah. Because the uh, actual injury happens immediately during the player after the play. Yep. They, they don't wait like 20 30 seconds and then go down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um you can definitely tell and I love that, but I want to get your thoughts on that. Do you think that the league is taking the right steps in, into combating that?
1: Yes, I think this is this is the right thing to do. The problem I have with it are two things. One, what the hell took so long? because this has been going on for years. We've seen this for a very long time. We it's even a joke amongst NFL players, current and previous. They were like, "Oh yeah, you do the little helmet tap, you know, they do the helmet tap that means fall down because we got to do a transition, we got to get a substitution and they're trying to play the hurry up offense." So this has been something that players have literally joked about for a very long time. So it's it's about damn time the NFL did something about this. But my second problem is and the second worry I should say is is the NFL going to be consistent with this? Because there's one thing I know about the NFL and their rulings is they're inconsistent with everything. Is that we'll see Cam Jordan get fined. Did we hear anything about Jesse Bates? I, I saw BJ Kissel, my, my dear buddy, talking about it on Twitter this morning. He goes, okay, what about Jesse Bates? Because he saw that, and I 100% agree with the ruling. I'm sure everybody agrees with this ruling. Should have happened a long time ago. But are you also going to find Jesse Bates? they Are you going to hit up Zach Taylor and the Bengals for this? Because that was blatant. I mean, even uh, Sam McDowell from the KC Star was like, hey, guys, it's a miraculous turn of events. Jesse Bates is 100% okay after two plays of missing, you know, for falling from that horrendous injury. I mean, it's a joke, but it's also not because the Bengals were in a very bad situation at that point where the Chiefs were going to try to hurry up and get. Exactly. So there needs to be some consistency. So I appreciate and I applaud the NFL for making this stand and this change. But you all better be consistent with it, man, because I can't be seeing Cam Jordan getting hit for this but not Jesse Bates and teams like that. It, it's got to be across the board every single time you see it happen because, we, like you said, we all know when it's fake, when it's real, the difference is in between.
0: Yeah. Let's talk Aaron, uh, Aaron Judge. Um, obviously, we we heard that uh, he has agreed to uh, a deal with the Yankees for, I believe, nine years,
1: $360 million. Thoughts? Yeah, so this was a... Uh, I was actually surprised by this because I actually, to this day, still believe Aaron Judge wanted to leave the Yankees. I do believe he actually wanted to go back home to California, and Judge played this perfectly from the beginning where the Yankees offered him, I think it was like $230, $240 million last offseason, and he turned that shit down with no remorse and didn't give him a counter offer. That's when I thought, okay, he's done with the Yankees. He, he played his time there. He's betting on himself and just had one of the greatest seasons in MLB history. This dude's about to go get paid and go back home. I do believe that was his goal. But what happened was is we heard the Padres had jumped into the pot. They decided last minute in the 11th hour, hey, we're, we're jumping in. We're going to offer a massive deal for Aaron Judge. And then the Yankees being a notorious franchise of we don't lose players. We pay them whatever it takes. Hank Steinbrenner. Yes, George Steinbrenner all the way down was always like that. We are the ones that go and get those guys. We don't lose guys. Mm-hmm. And so I think the pride set in for the Yankees and their tradition to the to a fault. Because now, what they're going to do is they're going to pay Aaron Judge till he's 40. And if you've already noticed something about Aaron Judge, I mean, he had an incredible season. No doubt about it. One of the most impressive seasons we've ever seen. This man's injury prone, and now he's in his 30s. I have a hard time believing he's going to live up to this contract because the Yankees now aren't the Yankees of yesteryear. They're not a team that goes out there and competes for championships. They haven't done it in a long time. Their so, sucks. their bullpen's terrible. They got a lot of things to fix. And although Aaron Judge is the is the, the the chip, you know, the guy that brings everybody to the to the stands, is he going to be a guy that's going to win you World Series? Yeah. I don't believe that. To this point, Aaron Judge has shown me no reason to believe that he's going to lead them to World Series. He's been he's been around since 2016. And they've won zero World Series. They've been to zero World Series in that span. I just, I, 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 I'm happy for Aaron. He got the money he's been looking for all along. I'm happy for the Yankees because they kept their peace. But is this going to be really what they're looking for? Because I'd imagine the Yankees are bringing him back in the hopes of we're going to win titles now. I don't think that's happening.
0: This reminds me of uh, the Bobby Bonilla contract. Yeah, I, 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 it's the same. I think it's the same thing. I think that he's not going to live up to his uh, his contract. For the simple fact that he's injury-prone. We don't know. His next season injury could be season-ending. I mean, uh, yeah,
1: like season-ending, career-ending. Would that she, shock anybody? If the I next mean, season, 20 games in, Aaron Judge goes down with an oblique and is out for John, yeah. three months. Yeah. like, Or like has to have like some kind
0: of Tommy John or right. something. It's very hard for me to like agree with this contract. Does he deserve the money? 100%. He's earned every right for the money. But me as a as a owner, would I have paid an injury-prone player <coughs> nine years to his like in his forties and three hundred sixty million? Probably not. I think I think that's why the Yankees were uh, what was it they all first offered like six years because I think the Yankees knew that like, we can't have him for nine plus ten plus years because he's gonna be in his forties and obviously we're not trying to pay that much right when he's not even in the league anymore and i think the yankees knew that but like you said once the padres joined in with the giants they were like holy yeah we're gonna lose him." yep and i think they were and i think that's why they had to bump up they bumped it up to eight years and then the padres and the Giants were like we'll give you more yeah
1: because to the padres he's not expendable but he wouldn't have to be the guy, the guy yeah. because you get one. You have Juan Soto there. You have Machado there. You have uh, Tatis there. Like you already have this juggernaut of an offensive lineup. Like they knew, like yeah, Aaron Judge. This is the greatest, most talented offensive line, offensive lineup in the history of the game. They knew that he would just be another piece to the equation. Go ahead. Uh,
0: update. Uh, so Noah uh, no, Noah Gr- Greininger, Greininger yeah. has updated us with Bengal safety J.C. Bates fined fifty thousand for fake injury. Good and then Tony ruled, uh, Tony ruled out for
1: Sunday. Yes, we saw that. There was, thank you, Noah, for that. We do appreciate that. Thank you for watching, man. Stargate Media has absolutely, absolutely been kicking ass for us, and we appreciate you guys. Um, I'm happy to hear that about Jesse Bates. That was my concern, talking, yeah. yes. We're I'm glad talking. the NFL did that. That is what I want to see is consistency with this rule. I'm good with it. I want this rule to be in place, yeah. but do not pick and choose. Yeah. You see it, hit it. Yeah. You see and, right, and Cam t- Jordan deserves like I, it, so does Jesse Bates. Like
0: I said, this is great because – it. It hits the players where it hurts the most, and now they're gonna contemplate like, "Oh shit!" It's like if the coach wants me, is he gonna pay my fine? Right? Like I'm not gonna want to get fined. Yeah, you guys are telling me to fall. You better pick up that. I think for for uh, and and I think for for repetitive uh, uh, offenders on this on this new ruling thing, I think should probably be suspended for one game. Now start losing games. Oh, there you go. I like that. You know what I mean? Like for uh, repetitive offenders, second third offenses, second third offenses, one game. That's a good out for idea. One game. I like that too. That, that, that would have to go probably to the next yeah. CBA, I yeah. imagine. Yep. yep. Uh, so.
1: But but to the, my final thought of the judge situation is uh, yes, I, I do believe that he was going to be gone if the Yankees didn't pay this. But if you look at the previous two massive contracts that the Yankees gave out, they didn't pan out either. Look at Giancarlo Stanton. Mm-hmm. I mean, the dude can hit a home run like a softball player. Well, they didn't player. give it
0: to him. It was the Marlins. Who but you know what I'm saying? They picked, it, they up, picked yeah. it up. Yeah,
1: They picked up the rest of that contract, which was massive. And then they they he hits home runs like a softball player, like a beer league softball player. He just beat, belts the ball. But he's not a great player. And he's injured all the time. Look at Garrett Cole. They gave him dude, that massive that deal. Trick, yeah. He's not been the ace they were looking at to be that guy that leads them into playoff success. <laughs> so... You add Aaron Judge to that equation, and the worst part is all three of these contracts are going to the exact same time. Like back in the day, when you get A-Rod, Jeter, Posada, and Mariano Rivera, and all these other big names that you're paying good money to, you know that you're going to be in playoff contention each and every year, though. Uh, You're not seeing that. Because as great as Aaron Judge was getting to the 62 home runs, you saw how bad he was in the playoffs. You think that's just going to change? I don't. I don't expect that the Yankees are going to get better now than they were when Aaron was in his prime, prime years. Yeah, it got cold and Beth got cold. Yeah. God damn. Uh, it,
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy. I, like I said, I personally wouldn't have given him that contract. It's yeah. definitely overpaid, paying uh, for an injury-prone player. Uh, but next, I want to talk about the UFC. So there's been a, a huge... Uh, news that came out at uh, uh, the UFC and, and I think it's gonna be a, a big concern especially for fights now and in the future uh, So Dana white came out saying uh, fight fixing huge concern for UFC amid investigations Yeah, so they are being investigated for match fixing. Uh, I think the the fight that they're looking into is uh, a November 5th uh, UFC fight between Derek Minor and Shailen Noir Don Dambique, hopefully I'm saying his uh, name right, but um, So after after a dramatic betting line movement in the hours before the event uh, Miner has been suspended and so has his coach James Crouch. Yep, so it I Want to get your thoughts on that whole situation.
1: Yeah, so I um our guy Blake Sneeders that we know really well works at 810 He's been on our shows a hundred times um, him and I didn't really we were playing phone tag about this when I got the news because um, Blake knows James Krause's crew really well. They're all from Kansas City. Uh, I believe they all train in Lee Summon, if I'm not mistaken. I've met James Krause a couple times. Really good dude. Had a very successful UFC is that, career. Is that
0: a... Who's the Mexican...
1: The, the, um, Julia Marquez?
0: No, who's the... Uh, the guy from Tijuana that trains for, in Kansas City now?
1: Yeah, that, that, I'm pretty sure they all work together, yeah.
0: So that that's his Yeah, James gem?
1: Krause. James Krause is the biggest fighter to come out of the UFC. The champion. Who's the champion? The... Br- not lightweight. Brandon Moreno. Brandon Moreno. Yeah, Brandon Moreno. His- yeah. Oh shit. So they they all work together, and uh, I, I haven't got a t- I haven't got a chance to talk to Blake, but Blake said that this is a, this is it's it's all pretty legit. And that's the, that's the really shitty thing about this. Is he, these guys have really been working their way up. James Krause has worked his way up, like I said, as a fighter and now as a coach. Been coaching a lot of guys, and now he's not allowed to coach in the UFC anymore. This is a massive black eye on the entire UFC because now everything's going to be in question. We have, we've had questions about uh, baseball back in the 1920s or the 1950s, or yeah, 1920s. Then you've had soccer. Then you've had other sports. Now when it comes to, to fighting, if you're fixing fights, you know, we're now, we're gonna, now you're going to, you know, because everybody wants to talk about how the UFC can become more of like boxing when it comes to success. What you don't want to have is the other part of boxing bleeding into the UFC where we've had fixed fights in boxing and we've had people lose interest in boxing because of these very reasons. The UFC is at the precipice here. They've been blowing up, gaining popularity. They're with ESPN now. If they find a way, man, to, to have multiple situations, like you want to talk about repeat offending, if that this happens in other situations, if they start doing thorough investigations and finding other teams doing these things, then you're talking about the UFC as a whole being raised in question. I think Dana White's going to do the right thing in all this because one thing I'll give Dana Dana White uh, respect in and, and, and uh, the benefit of the doubt in is he does go and nip things in the bud when he needs to. And I I do believe Dana's going to get this right, but it's it, it sucks at a personal level. Because being here in Kansas City and seeing a guy like James Krause and these other guys flourish and grow and become big pieces in the UFC uh, 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 landscape, it, it really sucks to see. I'm going to get more information from our guy Blake. I haven't got to talk to him about it, but like I said, it it does not sound good, and it sounds like there's a lot of legitimacy to the accusations.
0: Yeah, yeah it's. I was reading that this morning, and I'm I'm, I'm just like, Ooh. Well, I went,
1: I went back and watched the fight, and, uh, yeah, it doesn't It doesn't look good at all. Let me just put it like that. You know, obviously, when you're watching the fight from the, just like a pure perspective, yeah. you don't think that's going to happen. But then you know that in your but, mind. You're like, okay, this. they say this happened. You watch, you're like, oh, that doesn't look good. That doesn't yeah, look good like at all. Now it's
0: kind of like, yeah. All right, let's go into the into the NBA. We saw yesterday, uh, it's the biggest talking point of today. Yeah. I don't know if you know, but it it's the whole science dunk uh-huh. with like 1.4 seconds left on the clock. Those, uh, what are those called? What are those rules called? The uh, Unwritten rules. Unwritten rules. Yes. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? And obviously we've talked about unwritten rules here in the past, but I'm going to bring it up because the topic, you know, it's the topic. I want to get your thoughts on the unwritten rules again. Remind everybody what your opinion is on that and your thoughts on the whole dunk situation.
1: So the unwritten rules of sports, it really did start in in baseball where, you know, the back in the old school days, you don't flip your bat. You don't watch the home run. You don't do things like that. Act like you've been there. You know, there's unwritten rules. Well, I've always said that unwritten rules are unwritten because no one should really give a fuck about them because they're not real rules. They're just people with hurt feelings that are sensitive that don't want to be shown up. When at the end of the day, these are all sports that we played as children. In other words, these are children's sports that guys get paid millions of dollars to play. So you should be able to have fun. And that's why I love that baseball is starting to slowly become that, where you're seeing more guys having fun. Things are becoming more vibrant. You're not getting hit for flipping your bat in your previous at bat. You're seeing these things start to change in baseball, which I never thought I'd ever see. But when it comes to this Zion situation, I watched the replay. I watched the highlights multiple times this morning. It was beautiful. And here, here's, the, here's the part that I that I hate about. Of all leagues that should have been okay with that play happening, it should have been the NBA. It should have been the NBA because what do we know about the NBA? It's a star-driven league. It's about the highlights. It's about the Instagram clips. It's about the glitz and the glam. And I'm okay with that because I love the NBA for what it is, which is why it's so confusing When we see teams get in their feelings about something like that, that literally changes nothing because at the end of the day, y'all were taking the L anyway. So why don't you be more upset about taking the L than what Zion just did in that little moment that again changed nothing. And it was in front of his home crowd. And if you're listening to his postgame, he talks about how, you know, I, I wasn't here for my guys last year and the Suns took my guys out last year in the playoffs So I wanted to do something like that. Now, Zion buttoned it up and was all, well, you know, it was a bad judgment call on my behalf, and he has to say all those things. But if we're really looking at it from the naked eye, does it really, really bother or change anything? No. The Suns did not play at their best down the stretch. Chris Paul missed that layup, and then Zion got himself a nice little dunk. And again, as a sports fan, as somebody that enjoys sports and enjoys seeing the greatness, the athletic prowess of a guy like Zion Williamson, Doing something of that magnitude. I don't care if I was a Suns fan. It ain't going to bother me none. Why the hell would I... That's a highlight that we're going to see for years to come. Because that was an incredible dunk. How about instead of like with Garrett Cole back in the day. When he would get upset at guys watching a home run. How about you don't give up the damn home run. Get upset about that. Be upset with yourself. Don't get upset because a guy who works his ass off just as much as you do. Does something great for his him, him and his team. Zion celebrated. Zion showed off. Who the fuck cares, man? It was a beautiful play, a beautiful dunk. Sons, just go take the L and go sit your ass down and get better the next time.
0: Let's go into World Cup, baby. Uh, <coughs> there's a UFC fight. Uh, there's UFC tonight. But in all honesty, I didn't think it was such a big card. I, I don't think there's... I don't, is there any championships on the line? I don't think there. I is. don't think there's
1: belts on the line tonight, but yeah. I think that's uh, the December, uh, the next next weekend's belts. I think or there's two belts. I think on the line next week.
0: Okay, because I know tonight is eighty two 282, UFC two eighty two yes. with no belts, which is there's thirteen
1: fights tonight though. Yeah,
0: which but but I mean, which is crazy to me that you're gonna have a a pay per view with no belts. Yeah, uh, uh, I think kinda. I think they ran out of fights for the year. I get it, it's the end of the year. Uh, so but yeah, yeah, I just figured I, I there was no, not much. I, I didn't look at any fights and say I was
1: like, oh, that's a good match <laughs> uh,
0: And honestly, a lot probably a lot of you guys probably don't even know the fighters that are gonna fight tonight uh, So
1: well the next card is in January and that's got uh, Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno, so you uh, know, that's gonna four, be a baby uh, Mauricio Rua fight and I can't believe he's still fighting that's and, gonna be a Yeah, if, and now Brandon Moreno with the different so he has to change gyms now I, I'm gonna have to look into that man, but yeah, probably I'd imagine so cuz
0: his coach now is suspended so. Yeah,
1: or just yeah at least they have, have to change fight. Uh, and then yeah Yeah, this that next cards gonna be nice That's the that's the next that's 283. That's, that's in January
0: Brandon Murray did not need this a month before his fight Especially no, he did not. from his gym. Oof. No, he did not that's tough That's gonna be a great number four uh number four fight, so it's kind of like that mania Pacquiao versus uh, Juan Marquez Number four, where he fucking KO'd him and put him to sleep.
1: That that became a meme for like three years too. (laughs)
0: Where he was asleep on the mat. (laughs) I was. I thought he died because he was on the
1: floor. (laughs) He was on the floor for like three, four
0: minutes. That's crazy. But let's go into the World Cup. Uh, I'm gonna just kind of go over the round of 16. Uh, So we saw the US uh, get beat by Netherlands. No, no surprise there. We all knew the capable. I knew the capabilities of the US, and I knew. That they didn't have a team to really Be put out there and compete against the Netherlands nothing against the US. They did a tremendous job They're the only CONCACAF team that made it out into the uh, round of 16 Hats off to them. They did the best they could But against the Netherlands that was just a terrible matchup for them um, And obviously the Netherlands won three to one we had Argentina versus Australia it was a lot tougher for Argentina to win that game. They ended up pulling it off in the second half, but it it, it was definitely a hard fought uh, win for Argentina on that one, two to one. France, oh my God, France just looks amazing. They defeated Poland three to one. Uh, Mbappe just out there doing what Mbappe does. He uh, he broke Pele's record for under the age of twenty four with eight goals. So now Mbappe owns that record with nine. So to dethrone the king of football,
1: it's, that is something we all have to take seriously. That's that's <sighs> something. Would you say Mbappe is the best player in the world right now outside of Messi?
0: Because
1: I mean, I, I hear I would, a lot of people praise def- him like that. I would that.
0: definitely say Mbappe is probably top five in the world top right five, now. Top five, okay. Because you still have Haaland, who is probably a better finisher, a better striker than Mbappe. But I think Mbappe as a a footballer as a whole could be potentially a little less, uh, slightly better than Holland, but that's a very close fight. Obviously, you got Messi, who is playing top form this year. For some reason, this season he's just been going off for club and country. Uh, Obviously, you got Luka Modric, who is arguably the best midfielder of all time. So, it, 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 I would say top five. Maybe you can put, you can probably, arguably. You can argue about Mbappe going into the top five. Definitely top ten. Definitely top ten. But, like I said, you can debate on whether Mbappe is a top five or not. Uh, Some might have him. Some might not. But he's definitely up there. Uh, Then we had England against versus Senegal. We all knew how this was going to play out. England came out, did their thing, 3-0. Japan-Croatia, that was a great game. It was (laughs) they had to go to penalty kicks and croatia ended up pulling off in the penalty penalty kicks but japan was scaring croatia because they took the lead in the first half and they were pushing for that second goal and and croatia ended up tying in the second half it was a great game overall they had brazil versus south korea the easy fucking victory for brazil it was 4-0 before like by the 30th minute so i think brazil literally replaced their goalie Literally every single player in Brazil has played in the World Cup now. They even they they took out the the goalie to put in the goalie that hadn't played yet. Uh that should tell you how that game was going for Brazil. That game the game was over before. What an it started. upset too, man. Yeah. Um then you have Morocco versus Spain. That game, if you remember last last week I told you guys that the one game I, I do not know for a fact who was gonna win. Was the Morocco versus Spain? I honestly had zero clue. I ended up picking Spain just for the the team, uh, the name, uh, obviously who they are and stuff like that. I picked Spain. Ended up uh, going out in penalty kicks. They missed every single penalty, <laughs> which is crazy to me. But definitely Morocco, dark horse of the tournament. Then you have Portugal, Switzerland. Portugal just had a fucking party. Portugal decided to go in there and attack attack attack. They did just that they ended up scoring six goals They ended up benching uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, So that tells you how how much of an attacking force they went into that game. They ended up winning 6-1 Now I want to talk about the fun part The quarterfinals that are going on now uh, Yesterday and today yesterday We had the first game was Croatia versus Brazil. What a game. What a game that was it, it from from the the when the whistle blew to to the last penalty kick it was just phenomenal throughout the entire game both teams were just trying trying and trying uh in the end croatia ended up pulling it out in in the penalty kicks uh brazil i believe missed two pk's crucial 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 um uh, but i got to get my Props to Croatia. They they did the unthinkable. Uh, they were definitely the underdogs in this matchup. And one of the craziest stats that I read about this uh, matchup was the Brazil since 2018 had only played one European country, and that was uh, Czech Republic. Leading into the World Cup, that was the only European cup, uh, country that they played in the in the four year process to this World Cup. <clears throat> And it showed because against uh, Serbia and Switzerland, they struggled. They won those games, but they struggled. They 100% struggled. They in some of the instances, I thought they could potentially get tied or, or lose because they were struggling bad. Um, obviously, South Korea when once they went to the round sixteen, they took care of business, did their thing. But yeah, that this is uh, arguably one of the biggest upsets in World Cup. Uh, especially now, because everybody had Brazil, the way they were playing, the way that they were, <coughs> you know, the the way that they they were, the chemistry was there. The the players were vibing and having a great time. We we all thought that Brazil was definitely going to be a a title contender. They were until Croatia proved it otherwise. Uh, and now Croatia is definitely, for me, definitely a title contender, taking out one of the, uh, I guess you can say, the number one contender. You're taking out the number one contender, so that's my hat's off to you, Croatia. Um, then the next game, the 1 o'clock game yesterday, Netherlands versus Argentino. What a game. Yeah. What a game that yeah. was. Uh, Argentina took a lead in the first half uh, mm. with Messi doing the assist. Obviously, you know, Messi doing messy things. And then uh, Messi does his own thing and scores a PK in the second half. He made so, that thing look so easy, yeah, too. Yeah. So, then he he scores the penalty uh, Argentina goes up 2-0, but if you know soccer 2-0 is the the trickiest uh, result that you uh, They I guess you can they you know because it is the most over overturned scored in Soccer history uh, 2-0 is very tricky because with one goal the other teams in it The other teams in it and your morale just shoots down. You're like, holy shit. Yeah, and uh, And It happened it it did just that the Netherlands found a way to tie the game on the last minute Literally the last minute of regulation. They found a way. They tied the game into overtime. We go Fantastic overtime. Uh, They were both fighting. They were both, you know, trying their best to to win the game go into Pk's Uh, Argentina obviously wins in Pk's they pull out uh, a victory Hard-fought victory for for Argentina. Hard, hard, hard hard-fought. But now they move on to the semifinals. And the GOAT has a chance to potentially claim a title that's very well uh, uh, evaded him. Yeah. Uh, So Mm -hmm. there's that. Today, this morning, we all woke up to Morocco versus Portugal at 9 a.m. kickoff. Um No everybody had uh Portugal to winning this game. I believe Lance said that Morocco came in as a pl- plus 400 underdog yeah. in this game. Massive underdog. Yeah, it's uh yeah, I like we we said dark horse on the last round and, and 100% they're the dark horse. They've now become the Cinderella story and dark horse at the same time. <laughs> you know? Uh it, it's it's a uh, the first African nation to uh to make it to the semifinals in a World Cup, no African nation in the history had to ever make it this far. But like I said, and I I said it since the beginning of the World Cup, there's always one African country that makes that makes a push. There's always one that makes a push, and <coughs> Morocco happens to be that country. Ronaldo came in in the second half. They tried, they tried, they definitely tried. They they almost they almost scored a few times towards the end of the game, but. I think their game plan uh, game plan backfired a little bit uh, I think they set back a little too much than uh, than the last game I think if they came in came out like the last game in attack in, in attack mode I think I think they would have caught up Morocco off guard and I think they could have definitely beat Morocco uh, The first half was just it was boring. Uh, it was a pretty pretty bad first half uh, Other than the first goal, I think Morocco dominated the first half something. I wasn't expecting um, uh, definitely Morocco wasn't expecting that either because we saw Morocco kind of sit back as well right. and kind of just wait for the counter-attack. <clears throat> but I think Portugal was doing the same thing. So they were both kind of playing the same style of, uh, of football. So it was very, very – it was just a, a poor first half. But the second half came out. Portugal definitely came out with a different game plan. They started attacking more. They were uh, moving their defenders up. Uh, Obviously, Morocco could have won this game by 3-4-0, but they ended up missing all those open chances. Uh, But Portugal tried in the end. It didn't work. Now, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo has, uh, I guess you can say, played his last World Cup. Uh, Sad. Sad to say that. Sad to see that, uh, the way he went out. Not the best. Uh, As a soccer fan, as a soccer soccer player, soccer, you know, seeing Cristiano Ronaldo leave the field in in tears, crying, uh, hurts, man, hurts. Because it reminds you that these players are getting older. Um, It reminds you that this generation of that we grew up in with Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, is coming to an end. Um. Obviously, we have we have uh, players coming coming out uh, with Mbappe, Holland, you know, but now you're starting to see the Luca Modric, the Lionel Messi, the Cristiano Ronaldo's, the Pepe's, the Thiago Silvas playing their last World Cup. Uh, true changing yeah. of the guard, man. Yeah, true changing of the guard. <clears throat> Enjoy it while it lasts. Um, we only have. Uh, one, two, three, four games left. Four games left. Well, five if you count the one for France versus England that I'm about to talk about. So, yeah. It's very sad. Very sad for Cristiano Ronaldo. I wish him nothing but the best. He did the best he could with what he had, especially at his age of 37 years old.
1: Do you think it was the right idea for Portugal to take him off the bench? Yes. I, I, think, I think he...
0: <coughs> I, I, I think... That was a it was a good move. Krishnan uh, is not at his top level. Obviously, the age has definitely definitely caught up to him all at once. Uh, he was phenomenal uh, last season, uh, last year, just last year. He was phenomenal. He was still playing great football, and then this year, it it was a drastic drastic decline in his game. Uh, Definitely not the same Cristiano Ronaldo that we've known and love, uh, but 37 years old, uh, have definitely, definitely caught up to him. Sad to see uh, a great player like that struggle as bad as he has recently. Uh, obviously, with the whole situation with Manchester United, with them parting ways, That's that story, they're pretty much both throwing shit at each other, in a, doing an interview. Pretty much saying bad things about the coaches and stuff like that relationship. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. Uh, but yeah, we still got Messi in here. Let's enjoy it. And I wish Ronaldo nothing but the best in in whatever it is that he does. And if he still decides to come back for the next World Cup, he'll be 41, which I highly doubt he'll even. Who's the oldest player to play in a World Cup?
1: Like an actual, like not a guy that's on a bench. What I'm saying, like actually, like got PT. Ooh,
0: that's a tough one. I know
1: Pirlo was 40 when they played Italy. What? 06?
0: Yeah. Uh Mexico had a 40 year old goalie. I think this World Cup. Ochoa, yeah, he was. No, Ochoa's 36. Oh, yeah. Okay, there's was a little older than that. 36, 37, I think. He could be 38. Fuck, I don't know. Yeah, but he's Ochoa, old. Ochoa's not 40 yet. Um. I know there's been a couple of players that have been in their 40s that have played the World Cup, but definitely just right the bench. Yeah. They don't really see the field. Uh, and if Cristiano Ronaldo decides to make into the 2026 World Cup, he's definitely not going to see the field. I highly doubt it. Yeah, uh, They'll probably bring him because of the name. He'll draw attention to the team. I don't know. It. I think 100% this was his World Cup, especially the way he came out uh, crying and People trying to like you know trying to calm him down. He he was in tears. He was crying, like crying, crying. So I think to me that showed me that this is definitely it for him. Yeah. Uh, I think he knows this is it, uh, and I think he knows that the that the end of his career is near. Yeah. So, and then we still got one more game. We still got England versus France, and at one o'clock here in about twenty minutes, nineteen minutes. Great game. It's gonna be a great game. Uh I think France is going to win this game. But I think if, if anybody can beat France, it could be England. France is kind of like those Chiefs. Uh, France is kind of like the Chiefs, the best team in the tournament. But, again, they they go down to the level of their competition in a way. In a very frustrating in way. In a frustrating way, yes. Uh, I, I think France has the talent to blow out England, and I won't be surprised if they win 4-0, 4-1, 5-1, 5-2. If they score more than three goals, I wouldn't be shocked. Cause it can very well happen, but at the same time, I can also see England pulling out an upset and defeating France because France, uh, sometimes, it just gets down to the level of their competition, and we saw it in the Euros. We saw it leading up to the to the World Cup that they struggled. So it's gonna be a really really good game. I have France winning this. Uh, I think France is gonna make it to the semifinal and, and and make a push for the for the World Cup title. Yeah. And I think if they make it to the semifinal, I think they'll definitely make make the finals. One hundred percent, in my opinion, they will be playing Morocco. Uh, I think Morocco's dream come crushing down if France does, in fact, uh, go into the semifinals. I think if England goes into the semifinals and plays Morocco, I think I have, uh, I think I might I, I might choose Morocco to win that game if England does make it to the to the semifinals against Morocco. So next uh, was it Tuesday Wednesday Tuesday. I think we have Argentina Argentina Croatia It's gonna be a phenomenal game and then we have Morocco and the winner between uh, friends in England. So can't wait for that Excited and then we got the World Cup final. I believe on Sunday of next week Third place is on Saturday and World Cup finals on Sunday. So the finals where we're going to see about 1.5, 1.7 billion people watching so can't wait for that so yeah,
1: Fuck yeah man <clears throat> i i've really enjoyed the world cup being a part of our conversations here because i think it's good for our brand obviously to branch out and talk about the world sport and for people that may not watch it like I, i'm a casual viewer i'll admit that but this is always good for me because I, I get to kind of branch out and, and, and to know more players, know the sport a little bit better. I feel like every time I watch the World Cup, I understand the world of soccer a lot better. And it's just a great thing altogether. And I, I love that we're seeing these legends like Messi still get a chance to, to win a World Cup. I think if Messi does win the World Cup, that I don't think there's a... I don't really think there's much of a debate at that point that he is the greatest player who's ever lived. I still I think he is no matter what happens because of just what he is as a, as a complete player being in a small guy the way he is. It's like he's like the Steph Curry of soccer where undersized guys shouldn't be leading teams to success that he has. But it does. He does. It's that's how special he is, and I just think that's that's what makes Messi great. I know Ronaldo scored more goals, but Messi is a creator. He's a guy that can orchestrate an offense. You know, he just yeah, he's so incredible at what he does, and he can score it well too. Talk so about
0: quarterback of a team, yeah. yeah, That's Messi for sure.
1: Yeah, so I I really I'm really pulling for for Messi. I hope he gets it, man, because it's 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 over overdue and it's time. He's definitely one
0: game away from a final and two games from lifting that trophy. Yeah. So. He's playing regardless regardless of uh, what happens next, lose or win. Uh, Messi has two games left in this World Cup, and it
1: just feels right that he get if he gets it. Cause I mean, just just knowing that, like in 20 years, looking back, saying that was the greatest soccer player ever lived. And you're seeing him holding that cup, like it just feels right. You know, it just it just feels like it needs to happen. So I'm I'm pulling for him big time. But every every team that's been in there so far, Morocco, Morocco France, uh, England, all these guys, they're all deserving of where they're at. They've all worked their asses off, and it's it's great to see. All right, let's get to the Chiefs and Broncos preview. Uh, there is a uh, an interesting uh, vibe over this game because everyone is anticipating one or two things happening in this one. And I understand why. Eddie just brought up France as this team that plays to the level of their competition. It's very frustrating, and the comparison was the Chiefs, and the Chiefs do this Almost each and every week where they don't blow teams out I was actually on the all chiefed up podcast this last week and that was something they brought up to me was Why is it that Andy Reid does not like to blow out teams or doesn't just put it on him? And I said that one of the things I actually like about Bill Belichick's coaching style is when he can put it on you He'll put it on you and then, he, and then he's yeah, then he says well, it's not my job to stop my team That's your job and I think there's been this fear on Andy Reid's side also of offending the other guy because he has a lot of respect for the other the other coach and the other team, which I understand. I respect that, but he also doesn't want to put too much on film, you know, for the next team to study. But for me, if you're as great as you are at what at, at what you do in your profession, people are going to know what you do because they watch your every move anyway. So you you're, you're going to have enough on film for people to understand what your attack is going to be, regardless of how much you put out there. So that's one thing I've always been a little frustrated with Andy Reid is about preserving everything. But at the same time, I think that's also why the Chiefs have been one of the healthier teams throughout the last several years is they're not having guys out there in big blowouts still going out there catching passes, taking big hits, things of that nature. So there's a lot of give and take there. And style points are not something that I really care about. As long as the Chiefs win more more times than not, I'm okay with them, you know, having, you know, surviving a game like that. But let's not pretend that we don't like these games that are stress-free. When the Chiefs started pouring it out on the Niners, that was one of my favorite games of the season. Week 1 against the Cardinals, they poured it on the Cardinals. One of my favorite games of the season because the Chiefs just could not be stopped and they kept the foot on the gas. Well, this is an opportunity for the Chiefs to do that very same thing against a team that they have owned since Patrick Mahomes has been their quarterback. In fact, the Chiefs are 9-0 and against the Broncos since Patrick Mahomes started as their quarterback in Week 17 of 2017. And if you look at the Broncos as a whole right now, they somehow found a way to move off of Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater and all these other retread quarterbacks and failed quarterbacks. They found a way to get worse. And we can talk about the Russell Wilson trade, but we're we're all fully aware that was just a horrific trade. And the Broncos ironically have one of the better defenses in the entire league. So coming into this matchup, you think okay, the Broncos have a shot here to keep this game close, giving their offense a chance to maybe get something going at home. You know they're a, they're not a desperate team at this point because they're not a playoff team. What can the Broncos bring to this offensively? Chiefs defense has been under, my, under underwhelming against good offenses, but against bad offenses, the Chiefs have actually been very good defensively, as they should be if you're going to be a team that's going to be competing for Super Bowls. Passing offenses the Broncos' defense have faced this season, though, is what's going to put this one in context. Because although I do believe the Broncos have a very, very, very good defense, they've also benefited off of playing a pretty soft schedule for the majority of the year. So week one, they played Seattle. They are the ninth passing offense. Texans with the 27th. San Francisco with the 14th. Las Vegas, the the Raiders with the 10th. The Colts with the 12th, which I can't believe they're even in the top twenty. The Chargers with the 6th, the Jets with the 18th, the Jacksonville Jaguars with the 17th, the Titans with the 30th, the Raiders with the 10th, the Panthers with the 29th, and the Ravens with the 26th. The Broncos have faced four top 10 passing offenses this year. They went 0-4 in those games and gave up 23 points a game. They have faced six bottom 16 passing offenses. They went 2-4 and in those games while allowing 17 points per game. So you see that they're a whole touchdown different Difference in, 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 as, a, as a defenseman facing a average to below average offense, passing-wise, to a top-10 passing offense. And here's the worst part. You say, well, if their offense should just give them enough, then Broncos could win some more games. Well, here's the problem, though. On the last month, the last four games, the Broncos offense has scored three touchdowns. And this is against defenses they should be scoring points on. And they simply can't do it. And then you're seeing defensive players like Purcell running at Russell Wilson and yelling in his face, I have never in my life, the 30 years that I've watched football, I've never seen that. Where a defensive player is running at the franchise quarterback and yelling in his face and showing him up in front of the team, I've never seen that before. Yeah, he's like, okay, bro, okay, bro. We're on the same page, you know, let's ride. Like, we've never seen that before. So there's a real problem on this team's hands that goes further than their record, further than Russell Wilson. It's a cultural imbalance. The defense is doing everything they can to keep them in, in games, and it's just simply not enough. Now you're facing a a team like the Chiefs, and I posted this on Twitter. You thought the Broncos were having a bad season going into this week? Imagine now having to know you're going to have to face the Chiefs two times in the next four weeks. The same Chiefs team that just lost a game like they did against the Bengals conceding the one seed. And something else I brought up in the, uh, the All Chiefed Up podcast was... Because they asked me, like, do you think that Mandy Reed would 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 uh, would put would pour it on the Broncos in this game? I said, look, I don't know if that's going to be his approach of this one. And I don't know if there's ever going to be a close game between these two because they have two games coming up. But if there was a game when the Chiefs were going to pour it on and blow out the Broncos, it would be this week in particular. Biggest reasons why? There's a couple reasons. One, the Broncos, again, can't score points, which means that their defense is going to be on the field a lot, and they're going to get worn out against a very fast, very hungry, a very driven offense by the Kansas City Chiefs. Two, the Chiefs have been a significantly better offensive team on the road than at home this season. The Chiefs at home are averaging over a little over 24 points per game. On the road, over 31 points per game. So... They're a much more efficient, sound, driven, efficient offense on the road than they are at home. And against a team like this that, although has a very good defense, we've talked about it, about against top 10 defenses, the Chiefs are averaging 35 points a game. So, miss executions last week against the Bengals. You saw the Chiefs had multiple opportunities to score well over 30 points. Didn't get that done. In this matchup, I am expecting that because also, <coughs> the player that I want to point out is going to be Travis Kelsey. Because there's so much writing on this game for Travis Kelsey for the rest of this season. We know that confidence is a big thing for players of all ages, whether it's veterans, rookies, whatever the case may be. There's something that we have not really addressed, but we have to address because being a superstar like Travis Kelsey, we tend to just kind of look at all the great things he does and not look at some of the things that maybe he had missed on. We look at the hits, not the misses. Do you realize that Travis Kelsey has played a significant role in two of the Chiefs' three losses this season? Against the Colts in Week 3... He dropped the touchdown that would put the Chiefs up over double digits with three and a half, four minutes to go. That that wins them the game. He dropped that touchdown. And then last week against the Bengals, the Chiefs are driving, going down the middle of the field. They're going to score. They, they were in great rhythm. Fumbles the ball. They're up 24-20. to 20, End up getting a touchdown and end up losing the game. I fully expect from this point on for Travis Kelsey to go nuclear until the Chiefs, in my opinion, are going to be holding the Lombardi in Arizona. And here's the other thing about Travis Kelsey's season, is that he has 12 receiving touchdowns this year. Over 60% of those touchdowns are against AFC West opponents. And since 2018, Travis Kelsey has put up 48 receptions for 571 yards and four touchdowns in eight games versus the Broncos. And again, against AFC West opponents this season, he has 18 receptions for 191 yards and seven touchdowns. I do not think that Elvis Kelsey is going to slow down this week. You could talk about whether he was sick or not last week or not. There were rumors about that. He didn't look like himself in that game, that's for sure. Didn't have a great game by any means, especially by the standard he's put together over this last seven, eight weeks of the regular season. But I am expecting the Chiefs to come out here really pissed off. And, I, and, and again, style points don't usually matter to me. But after losing the game that the Chiefs lost last week, as frustrating as that was, giving up the one seed, knowing how the rest of their schedule is shaping up to look, and how they need to run the table. I think this is a game the Chiefs need to go out and make an absolute statement. They need to go out there and put up points against this Broncos defense to show that they are still what we expected them to be when they got the one seed to begin with. When the teams like the Bills choke up and get one, give up the one seed, the Chiefs go up and grab it. Having the same record, like Eddie said earlier, having the same record as the Bills, the Bills just own the tiebreaker. There are too many tiebreakers against the Chiefs at this point. You have to continue to dominate the AFC West. The Chiefs have not only not lost a road road game to an AFC West opponent since Patrick Holmes took over. They've only lost three total games to the AFC West since he took over. And again, those are all close, frustrating, nail-biting losses. I don't think the Broncos have an offense that can put up over 10 points in this game. I If the Chiefs score 12 points in this game, they're going to win this game. I And that's not even disrespect to the, Bron- to the Broncos. That's a fact. They will not have Cortland Sutton for this game. They do not have a run game. Russell Wilson is shot. He is washed. He is done, and they have to pay him for another four or five years. It's like so. So, this is about as ugly as it's going to get. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett talked about it. coach, uh, head coach of the Broncos, talked about how Cortland Sutton will not play in this game. He said it's, "Well, he said it's doubtful. More likely, he won't play with a hamstring injury." And even without Kadarius Tony and Michael Hardman, the Chiefs have so many advantages on the offensive side. And again, as good as the Broncos' defense is, and as and as talented as they are across the board. They haven't faced a lot of offenses that even come close to what the Chiefs are. And when they have, they've lost. They haven't... The, the The Raiders swept them. And the Raiders, although are talented, are nowhere near as good of an offense. We just saw them lose to the fucking Rams. Baker Mayfield been with the Rams for 48 hours. And the Raiders took it out of them. So, the Broncos losing games like that to teams like that gives me... A lot of belief and a lot of faith because I'm not worried about whether the Chiefs are going to win this game or not because they're going to win this game. It's about the Chiefs going out there and showing everybody we still dominate the AFC West. Even against good defenses like this on the road, we still will put up a bunch of points. That's exactly what I think the Chiefs are gearing towards right now. Would I have rather, because I had this question asked to me last week, would I rather the Chiefs lose the streak to the Broncos but beat the Bengals? I would actually rather that. I'd rather the Chiefs have beaten the Bengals and then lose to the Broncos. Well, now that isn't a reality, so the Chiefs have to go out there and answer the call, bounce back from a horrendous loss like they just had against Cincinnati this week, knowing how light the schedule is going to be for the next three to four weeks after this game. Go out there, dominate this opponent. Go out there, get feel right about yourself as you go back home to play Seattle, or not Seattle. They play the, um, I believe it's the Texans after this, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the yes, they'll have the Texans at, or it's in, in, it's in, te- in, it's in Houston. I think we both know how that game's probably going to go. The Chiefs right now are 9.5-point favorites with an over-under of 44. Man, I, I really I have a hard time believing this is going to be a game that the, that... the only way this game will be close is that the Chiefs make the same mistakes they made against the Cincinnati Bengals. The fortunate thing about it is, the even though the Broncos have a great defense, they don't play the same style as the, uh, the Bengals. They play more of a blitz. They like to get pressure up front. Joe Tooney will be back in this game. I am expecting the Chiefs to be able to control time of possession in this one, be able to run the ball with success, and then get out here with a victory. I'll give you guys my score prediction in a second, but first and foremost, Eddie, what are you seeing in this matchup? What are you expecting in this matchup? How do you see this game going?
0: There's there's something that Patrick Mahomes came out saying uh, earlier this week, saying that you you guys can can uh, get was it can't was it think about like. After the loss, it's like you can't get sucked up to, into that loss or whatever, because then it turns into two. He says something like that along those lines. It's very, very true, and I like how this team, uh, right after the the Bengals lost, they already moved on to the next week. It is, it is what it is. It's a regular season playoffs, you can't do that. Yeah. Uh, but it's a regular season. Try and get the one seed back. Move on. It, it happened. Let it be in the past. Stay in the past. Yeah. And and I think this is a, a a perfect situation for the Chiefs because you're facing another top defense just kind of like the Bengals. the Bengals have a top defense i think they haven't allowed like a touchdown in the second half or something like that
1: it, it went like they went it, like seven weeks yeah. For that, yeah uh
0: so i think it's an, a a great test for the chiefs especially for this offense especially still which with without michael Harmon, especially without uh kadarius tony obviously having juju back uh even more healthy than he was this past week uh even after he took that one hit in the head and he was like oh shit, my head Uh, so I, i think this is a great great uh situation for the Chiefs because they can go out there and prove to us that they can very well dominate a top defense just like they've done in the past against the 49ers completely destroyed that defense that defense did not know how to stop Patrick Mahomes in this Chiefs offense in the running game. They couldn't do it. And I think the Chiefs have an opportunity to go here, show the world that, though, yes, the Broncos are a bad offensive team. You got to think, it's a really great offensive team. And I think you said this in the past, that if the Broncos scored 17 points in, like, nine of their games, they'd probably be undefeated by now. Or yeah, they shot.
1: scored 17 points in—they in, scored 17 points a week this season, they would have had a 9-1 record at that point of the yeah. year. Which
0: is insane. That <clears throat> yeah. should tell you how good this defense is. If they only had a capable quarterback, I think this team would definitely be fighting with the Chiefs for the for the AFC West. But obviously, we, we've we seen how that's ha- uh, unfolded this season. And I, l- I love the matchup. I, 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 I very well... Can see a Chiefs blowout, especially because they're pissed off of, of what the Bengals did. They did all this shit talking, or Justin Reed did all this shit talking, and couldn't back it up. and And I think the Chiefs learned pretty much a, a tough lesson that day. Don't talk shit. <coughs> let's, let's do it after the game. It's, and with the AFC West opponent, you have to go out there and dominate. You have to. You have to, especially what happened against the Bengals. You have to go out there and dominate. You have to go out there and, and show us that you're still Super Bowl worthy, you know? It, this is going to be a really, really good matchup. Uh, like you said uh, Sutton's not going to be there. I think this defense is going to have a great game. Uh, I pretty pretty much see this defense getting a couple of sacks here and there. Uh, Chris Jones doing his thing, getting the pressures. Um, I just hope that they don't play down to the level of the Broncos because if they do, this game can get ugly and Can get very ugly real quick.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, I'll, I'll say this Something else the Chiefs have to figure out is how to stop turning the damn ball over yes. seven consecutive games The Chiefs have had a turnover. It's absurd
0: yeah. and To me, I think this game is, is a great opportunity to do for your run game Build the run game build the confidence in that run game put that film out there uh, Have Pacheco dude, you know get the carries get, get him uh, the three-digit yards let him cook. I think this game is perfect for that because, especially going into the playoffs, you want to have more uh, versatility. In the playoffs, you want to have the run game available. You want to have the pass game available when, when you need it. You know, so you can have uh, the the good. And I think this is a perfect situation because, like I said, this is the top defense. So if you can get the run game going, you can get the pass game going. This is this could very well be a a good good Chiefs game. So. You just have to play to your strengths and and don't let the opponent get in your head. I think and that's also crucial.
1: something the Broncos always rely on at least coming into this season was their incredible home crowd. You know, every time there's an incomplete pass, incomplete, you know, it's a packed house. They always lead the league in in, in attendance. They're they're super faithful uh, uh, fan base out there in Denver. If you get them pissed off early in the game. You know, let's say the Chiefs, you know, more likely that the Chiefs get an opportunity to defer, they will, and, and kick the ball off to the Broncos, which I would much prefer in this game. Get Russell Wilson to look bad immediately, to get the crowd all anxious and pissed off, yes. And then just, like I said, methodical drives. Go out there, set up the play action, because we've seen Patrick Mahomes in this, in the past, this season, when they set up that play action, guys like MVS all of a sudden become that much more relevant. Guys like Juju and those little cross patterns, Sky Moore, guys like that, they're going to have to be pivotal pieces in this game, Become all that more open too in these kind of games. Make this game easy for Patrick Mahomes because obviously he will flourish no matter what the situation is. But give, like you said, give the run game its due. Let Pacheco go out there and get the ground and pound going. And then, because one thing I noticed that Andy Reid does though is he gets really predictable in some of the things. Him and Eric Bieniemy get really predictable. On first and 10, almost every single time they're running the ball, and it goes three, four yards. I don't have a problem with running the ball, but I want first down to get 6-7 yards. That way you can set up a short run game. So in the first downs, I want to see the Chiefs do a little bit more of a screen pass, okay. bubble screens, get Travis Kelsey open on the outside throw the ball on first down. That's what I want to see. Because I think that this I think this this run game can be very valuable for the Chiefs down this stretch, but I don't think they're utilizing it in the right way. Stop okay. using it on first downs, in my opinion. Start throwing the ball a little bit more so setting up a, sh- a second and three, a second and two, and let Pacheco go and get that first down. Set up that kind of tempo. And I think against a defense like this, where you're not letting Sertan lock down a certain guy down the field, you're getting these short, quicker passes and allowing these guys to get yak, is the best way I I think that they could do the setting up with play action things of that I, nature. I think this game calls for an Alex
0: Smith playbook I, I, I think that would be this would be great for an Alex Smith kind of playbook where it's the check downs check downs yeah. check downs check down. Especially with the top defense like this and, and I think that can help you get the run game as well Because then they're gonna have to fall back a little bit if you are just kind of doing the check downs and check downs or ch- they're, they're gonna have to press you can get the deep pad it this calls for a great great cheese game, but we, we cannot <coughs> we cannot go down to their level we we can't we can't afford to do that uh, We get Joe Tooney back this week. That's a great plus uh, Hopefully Luke Lucas Niang plays a, a, a more snaps uh, Obviously he probably won't play a whole game, but I, I want to see him out there a lot more uh, Have a more drives, you know start getting him into that rhythm before the playoffs so this would be a, a great situation Give Pacheco the ball. I love how the Chiefs named him the starter, and kind of you've seen it since since that day, since they since that week that they named him the starter. This offense has started like uh, running the ball a little bit more. Uh, obviously, against the Bengals, they abandoned it. I don't know why, but since then, the Chiefs have constantly played to the to the advantages of Pacheco. They let him do the thing. Yes, he gets one yard carries, but I love the the when he he gets off the ground and starts like you know pumping like yeah it's a one-yard game but that kind of like fucks with the defense it's kind of like what the fuck it just hit him like knocked right. him out and he just got up and it kind of throws him off a little bit so i love that from pacheco get the game the, the the run game going if you get that going going into the playoffs you can you can you can bet this team this team's offense could be nearly unstoppable. Well, you and can't, to your point. You predict it.
1: To your point about that, the only game that the Broncos have given up over 30 points was in uh, was Oct- on October 2nd, week 4 against the Raiders. Um, the funny thing about it is the Raiders scored 32 points and Derek Carr only had 188 yards and zero touchdowns. But Josh Jacobs had 144 rush had 144 yards and two rushing touchdowns on 28 rushes. Same thing with, uh, and again, that was the most points they got up in a game. So Derek Carr did nothing in the air, but they couldn't stop the ground game. Now Josh Jacobs has historically been really good against the Broncos, but I would like to believe that with the people behind the schemes in in, in Kansas City, could scheme up a run play or a run a run a, a run attack that can be just as efficient with Isaiah Pacheco running the way like you've been just alluding to. And, if you, again, if, if you look at the other games against the Chargers, the, the Broncos lost, only giving up 19 points. But, again, you, the, Herbert didn't throw a touchdown, and they still lost that game. It's because Eckler got in the end zone on the ground game. Like, there there, are, there is a recipe to beat defenses like the Broncos, especially, again, when they're going to be on the field so much, and, and Russell Wilson just keeps giving the ball back to the Chiefs, punting the ball three and out, three and out, three and out, fumble, three and out, three and out, three and out interception, whatever the case is. Make that defense work on every single possession to where they start having miscues, they start getting winded, the guys are getting pissed off, they're sick of it, it's three, they're three and nine coming into this game, and they're thinking about Cabo at this point, because they know their season's done, break them, break them mentally, break them physically, break them emotionally, because they have to come back to Kansas City in two weeks after this. They play the Chiefs, play the Texans, and then you have the Broncos coming to Arrowhead. Make them feel like, God damn it, now we got to go to Arrowhead if this team just beat us by 24 points. Like yeah. m- Break them in this game. If there's going to be a game where you beat the shit out of the Broncos, make it this one where you're on the road in their house when they're 3-9, and nine, when they feel like, man, this can be our one last shot to make anything of this season. Break them.
0: If in the opening drive the Chiefs can go over 20 yards on the ground, that's probably going to break the, the, the Broncos. I think... You you would have the recipe to beat the Broncos and how they beat them in every drive. Yeah. So I think if the Chiefs come out strong and and run the ball and get over 20, 20 plus yards on that first drive, that can open the that can open the playbook. Yeah. It's only it's fair I, game after that, you know.
1: I want to see I want to see the Chiefs' first offensive drive to be a 12 to 15 play drive mm-hmm. where you just, it's like, damn it, dude, they're just dicing us right now. Like, I want it to be a fluid, a fi- like if the Chiefs go out there and three plays, 75-yard touchdown, and you're like, oh, well, and the Broncos be like, oh, damn it, you know, we just made, we gave them a big play, we'll, we'll bounce back. Yeah, yeah. But if you go out there and you convert four third downs, yeah. And then it's like, damn it, we can't stop. Break, I, 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 I want to see them, start. yes, I want to see a, a third and eight, third and nine. Patrick Holmes throws a middle, uh, right in the middle of the field to Noah Gray. It's you know, yards. let it be like the the role players going out there and dominating this defense. Go and let a Jody skip get, get that first touchdown. Let these guys go out there and make a big play on a big on a big third down and just break this defense mentally before they even get off, get off the field that first time. Because you know the crowd's going to give them something. You know, they're going to let it be r- loud and rowdy for a minute. Yeah. Was, but let that be what drives you to break this team quickly. Especially if
0: if you can if you can go three and out with the with the Russell Wilson, which is very very doable, and then go out there and score seven, they, their offense is just going to feel that much more pressure because the fans are just going to. We've seen the fans start booing Russell Wilson before, so yeah. uh, if if the the Chiefs can can do that early in the game, they can coast through the whole game. Yep. So we just. We just have to, you know, pound town in From the fucking <clears throat> as soon as Patrick Mahone snaps the first ball in the first drive, yeah, we have to fucking pound town. We we can't afford a uh, interception on the first drive, fumble on the first drive, uh, three and out. We can't afford to do that. So I like that long. I like how you says like that long drive. Get like that six minute drive, seven minute drive. You know, eat the clock tired the defense because when the offense comes in and you You could potentially do a three and out that defense is gonna be gas coming
1: right back in right? So Yeah, just take advantage of what you can and if you look at in the history because the Broncos have had a really good defense for years now I mean you go back to 2015 when Peyton Manning's final season They their defense is what won them that that Super Bowl because their their defense was historically great but since then the Broncos have always had a, a top 15 defense in the league And that didn't stop the Chiefs. You look at it right here. Even before Patrick Mahomes got to to Kansas City, the Chiefs beat them in 2016 by 23, beat them by 10 in 2017. And then you look at um, the game that Patrick Mahomes actually got injured in 2019, the Chiefs still won by 24. And then when Patrick Mahomes came back, they beat them uh, 23-3 by 20 points. And then the next season, Chiefs beat the Broncos 43-16. to I don't even think Patrick Holmes had a touchdown pass in that game, but Dan Sorens had a pick six. A lot of things went right for the Chiefs. Chiefs won by 13 last year in the first game. I'm just saying the Chiefs have owned this team so much that there is no excuse why this game isn't just in the Chiefs' favor in every regard. While well, The defense doesn't go out there and just dominate Russell Wilson. And while Patrick Holmes goes out there and dices up a very good defense. So... I want to get your, I'm, going to get, I'm going to give you my key players, Eddie. My two guys, I'm going to keep it very simple because I think these are the two guys that have to have big games in this one to make it a statement victory. I brought them up, and I'll bring them up again. Travis Kelsey, having the fumble that he had this last week, needs to go out there, have himself a 7-8 catch, 114-yard, two-touchdown kind of game, which I do expect him to have because he's done it against the Broncos multiple times since Patrick Holmes has been their quarterback. I'm expecting it again because I know that he's been holding on to that L all week long he put that loss on himself as he should because he's a superstar player one of the leaders of this team one of the greatest players to ever play this game I think he's gonna go out there and make a statement in this one go out there and have a big game I do think some of the others get involved in as the game goes on but I do think that this game is gonna be based upon how Travis Kelsey helps them move the chains and get into the end zone multiple times early in this game on the defensive side they have got to get pressure on Russell Wilson to have him make bad decisions and make him make him, make him sweat. I think that the building upon what he's already done this season early on will build upon what he does for the rest of the season. I think George Karloftis is going to have a really good game in this one. The tackles for the Broncos have been really bad. And you see George Karloftis every single week, just seems to get better and better and better. To his credit, the one sack they did get on Joe Burrow, he did break through. He did get he did get the win, and he did get the sack on that one. I think that George Karloftis is gonna have a really good game. I am saying he's gonna get a sack in this one. It might actually be a strip sack in this one where he hits Russell Wilson, gets the ball out, Chiefs get the ball from Russell Wilson, get a short fieldage, and get a touchdown on that drive. I'm just saying I'm saying Travis Kelsey, George Karloftis are my guys for the keys of this game. What do, who do you got, Eddie?
0: You've heard me say, run game, run game, run game. I'm going with Pacheco. I'm giving Pacheco over 100, 100 rushing yards. I think this is the game to do it. I think this is the perfect situation for the Chiefs to do it, uh, especially with the kind of schedule that they got left. The yeah. Build up on the run game, especially with you got the Broncos now, then you got the Texans, then you got the Broncos again. Build up on that rush game. And it's only going to get better and better and better, and you need that going into the playoffs because in the playoffs, we've seen it before, it, uh, especially against the Bengals you abandon the run game you you ask you you ask for the other team to, to Come back and potentially beat you kind of like what the Bengals did because you're not able or capable to run the clock the clock game uh, Down so I'm I'm predicting pacheco going over hundred yards a touchdown. Yeah in this game. So it, I I think <coughs> I Think this is this is gonna be that game for pacheco uh, And then defensive side. I'm gonna go with Chris Jones especially after that poor 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 performance against the Bengals uh, and he he was that that was the game that he was eyeing on since last season and he didn't do shit. Yep. I think this Chris Jones has to come out here and get at least two three sacks this this he has to get that bad taste out of his mouth he, he has to get that confidence back that confidence boot and I think him getting a few sacks on Russell Wilson, especially on the AFC West opponent, I think can get, can help you get that boost back, can help you get that confidence back. So I think Chris Jones is going to have a great game in this one with the probably potentially a couple sacks.
1: Yep. And then have a look at the score of this game. I'm going to give the Chiefs a big minute for the doubt here, man. I, I really do think they're going to put up some points in this game. Uh, I know the Broncos have a good defense, as we've talked about, over and over and over again. But I do think the Chiefs are going to come out here. Patrick Wilhelms is going to show everybody again why he is still the MVP in my eyes. And they're going to Chiefs are going to get. I think the Chiefs are going to get the one seed back within the next couple of weeks, and this will be a game that helps them get there. I think the Chiefs are going to beat. I think the Chiefs are going to beat them because they're going to keep the Broncos out of the end zone for the entire game. I don't think the Broncos score a touchdown, and I think the Chiefs score a lot in this one. I'm going to say the Chiefs. I I think that if I'm going to go non-conservative, say the Chiefs blow them out. I think the Chiefs win this game 34 to nine. What do you got, Eddie? Okay, it, it, I pre-
0: uh, if I'm predicting how, how things are going to go out with this game, I'm going to go with uh, the with score of 35 to 14. I think they're going to get a couple of touchdowns, but I think those are going to be those garbage time touchdowns where we pro- potentially have our backups in into the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's where the Broncos could potentially get those 14 points. I think this Chiefs can very well dominate from the beginning to the
1: end. And I'm I'm predicting a 35-14 game. I like it. You guys let us know what you guys think about how this game goes Who will be your key players? What's gonna happen with the score? Do the Chiefs continue to go down the sled of getting into another 10-win season and potentially getting that one seed back? You guys let us know how that's gonna go hit us up on our YouTube channel and let us know What your thoughts and what your predictions will be Eddie? We have one more order of business to get to what is it called? Hold Hold this L each and every week We finish off each and every episode with a series of L's in the world of sports Whether those L's in the world of sports are friendly or not so friendly L's in the world of sports we promise I promise you, who is ever holding those L's in the world of sports deserve those L's in the world of sports. Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, who's holding the L for you this week? Why is it F1? Well, I'm going to start off
0: by saying that France just scored against England. Uh, They're up uh, 1-0.
1: Like it. Um,
0: (laughs) I'm going to go back into the World Cup, and I'm going to go into a game from yesterday, uh, the Argentina-Netherlands. The media uh, fans around the world are crushing Argentina uh, by the way they celebrated the victory against Netherlands. We go back to those unwritten rules uh, that we were talking about earlier. Those, uh, you know, uh, big games are... What did you say about the... uh, uh, Something about the players when, like, uh, with the bat flay, you're like... uh, Yeah,
1: like celebrate home runs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Unwritten rules. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, The media, the fans have been crushing Argentina by the way they celebrated because they celebrated in, in Netherlands' face, kind of mocking them. I love that from them, especially after what the <laughs> what the Netherlands did for them, uh to them throughout the whole uh to the days leading up to that matchup. Uh with the with the Netherlands coach going out there and saying it's like, well, uh when Argentina's attacking, he runs through Messi, but when they defend, Argentina really plays with only ten players because Messi's non existent. And obviously players talking that shit during the game. Uh during the penalty shootout uh four players uh, on Argentina's last kick four Netherlands players went up to the to the last kicker and trying to intimidate them and then Argentina obviously with the with the heat of the game uh how the whole thing went on they they pretty much celebrated in their face yeah. that last that 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 penalty kick and the media are crushing them for it saying it's like uh don't Don't make fun of the people that are down or uh, don't kick them when they're down. Uh, Have respect. You guys are super. You guys are uh, role models to children. Children are seeing this. All I got to say is to those people that uh, like the unwritten rules. You guys grew up with participation trophies. If you dis- if you disrespect me, why should I respect you after the game? Oh, well, NFL players they hug each other after the game, boxing they not all boxing matches, not all UFC fights. <clears throat> did do we not see the McGregor Khabib fight? What happened at the end? Yeah. Did not Khabib's uh team jump the fucking the, the 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 fins and started beating mcgregor up why are we why weren't we complaining about that right <clears throat> baseball players when they've hit a home run flip the bat don't we love that shit don't we want to see that shit that's celebrating on the pitcher's face yeah what well, what's the difference between that and argentina celebrating on netherlands face after all that shit talking they did you know what i mean all these people complaining about you being role models you guys are superstars messy he's not the leader that we all thought yada yada fuck you <laughs> that's all i gotta say it's the world cup if you gonna fucking shit talk me Accept, <laughs> accept. You, you're accepting the repercussions that come with that
1: yeah
0: oh you it, know it, 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 it's all left on the field blah blah it happened during the game they shouldn't hold the grunt <laughs> said who it's personal to a lot of people man <sighs> that's what's annoying uh that's all i've been seeing on social media today especially on twitter it's uh, it sucks seeing it from guys that I look up to in the media world, especially in the soccer world. It sucks. But man, let them be. Let them celebrate. Let them get that shit off. It's the World Cup. They're playing for an entire country. So to those fans, to those media reporters, to anybody judging and saying stuff about Argentina and the way they celebrated, you're going to have to do me a favor and uh, hold this this L. L.
1: Yeah, I I always love uh, attacking the good old (laughs) unwritten rules. Uh, So I actually want to hand out a W first and foremost to a guy that I think saved his NFL career this year, and I I briefly mentioned him just a minute ago. But I'm going to mention him again. Baker Mayfield went out there and made a statement this week. Uh, I didn't know if he was going to play in this game or not. I know that John Wolford was healthy and uh, the backup for St- Matt Stafford, longtime backup now for the Rams, and I wasn't expecting to play if if at all, really. But after the first drive, I think that McVeigh's like, "Look, he's had 48 hours with the team. He's familiar with some of the verbiage that we've had here because he used to have a, a coach back with the uh, the Browns that had the same. Uh, Language that we use here in LA so it was easier for Baker Mayfield in that regard, but let's not make it sound like it was easy for him at all No, yeah, no new team now the cool thing with Baker did is he actually did anticipate getting picked up by the Rams So he bought a ticket before they actually told him they were picking him up to go to LA So he was already anticipating this and so he goes out there I ain't going to lie. I watched like the first three, three and a half quarters of this game, and I was like, yeah, the Raiders are going to win this game. It's ugly. It's is terrible. Baker's had some good throws, but let's be real, man. Like You can't really expect him to go out there and win this kind of game. And in the fourth quarter, the Rams had three points going into the fourth quarter.
0: With three minutes
1: left. With three minutes left. And they scored two touchdowns. And the final touchdown, not only did Baker Mayfield lead a game-winning drive against the Raiders... He led the longest drive under two minutes for a game-winning drive in the history of the NFL. It was a 98-yard drive with a team that he had been on for less than two full days. I could hand an L to the Raiders right now for that, but I want to I praise Baker because if we're being honest here, this is his third team in the last nine months that he's been on. Third team and he was a backup for the Panthers on and off and was supposed to be a backup for the Rams now but now he's won himself the starting job with the Rams for the foreseeable future and even if the Rams don't hold on to him which I don't expect they will cuz I think Matt Stafford does come back for another year if he if he's healthy he's got himself an opportunity to get traded to another team that he could potentially start for i've this resurrected his career saved his career and has a real opportunity to to be a starter for another NFL team for at least another season Thank you. It's 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 really, it's out there. It's out there now for Baker and his entire the entire viewpoint of Baker Mayfield has changed just, just like that over one single win and he looked really good at the end and I, it was so funny I heard Trevor screaming "Lance!" at the end of the game I'm falling asleep and I hear him from upstairs. it was amazing and I'm happy for Baker I don't expect this guy to be a long-term franchise quarterback for anybody but when the chips are down Baker likes to play in chaos and he usually he usually comes up big in those types of moments and that's what makes him who he is despite the fact he's headbutting teammates with with their helmets on while he doesn't have a damn helmet on look past all that stuff man i am so happy for him and i wanted to throw a dub out there for my guy baker mayfield because that, that was more than deserving but uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna bring my l back here to kansas city i came out last week and i said that i prefer it when my, the opposition talks before facing the chiefs to give the chiefs that chip But I did have zero problem with the Chiefs being the ones that that talk big as long as it's backed up with action. I've stood by that. I said, look, if you're going to talk shit, you better back that shit up. And Eddie's talked about it. That right now, talking shit's been taking L's lately. And there was no bigger L than the one that was handed here in Kansas City. Um, And I was okay with Justin Reed being the one that talked shit because he was the guy that was the veteran in the secondary outside of LeJerry Steen and Juan Thornell. He was the veteran player. Uh, he was the guy that was brought in here in Kansas City to be that difference maker, you know, to to be a difference maker both on and off the field from Tyron Matthew, because a lot of people had a problem with Tyron Matthew making business business decisions on the field and the things he utilized social media for a lot of times against Chiefs fans. So he was supposed to be a difference maker in those two regards. We well, he made zero difference in this game. And in fact, he made more noise in the postgame interviews and Twitter following said underwhelming performance than he did in actual under- underwhelming performance. Coming out with a different tune, apologizing for what he said in the postgame, but only apologizing for getting the names wrong of the players, not for what he actually said. Not for saying, I'm going to lock these guys up and causing a controversy, Andy Reid having to come out and say that, yeah, he didn't know that, but he's new here. He'll, he'll learn. Didn't apologize for that. Didn't apologize for speaking out. He apologized for just getting their names mixed up. After the fact, after what happened, and then as it was as if that was the point of any of this, nobody cared about him getting the names wrong. They cared about him being somebody that did something that was so uncharacteristic for a Chiefs player under Andy Reid that when it doesn't go the way it's supposed to, or and you didn't fulfill your end of the bargain, it makes you look even worse. And then two days later, on a Tuesday, goes on Twitter and says, unpopular opinion, quote, unpopular opinion, we lost, dot, 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 but I was still right. Cry about it. End quote. He, again, I I can't emphasize this enough. Justin Reed was supposed to be an upgrade from Tyron Matthew. But all he's been is more of the same on both the field and now on Twitter. He's more concerned about how he's viewed than how the team is viewed, bro. You you can't come out two days after getting dribbled on a football field and say, "But I was still right." And don't here's the other thing: don't try and sell yourself as this team first guy to the fan base when you you tweet stupid shit like that two days after the biggest loss of the season. Because here's the thing. No one gives a shit if you were right. You lost the game. You were ineffective in this game. You lost the one seed in the AFC. That's the important part in all of this. That's the whole point in all of this. Not whether you were right about some stupid-ass prediction you made that meant nothing and didn't help change the outcome whatsoever. Justin Reed asks for the noise, and now he's getting it. If you're going to open your mouth, you better back it up. Otherwise, you're going to hold L's on and off the field. So with that, Justin Reed, do me a solid and hold hold this L. L! God, I hope he just doesn't talk for the rest of the season. I'm I'm good with guys talking, but if you better back it up and not go out there and, and look like a basketball in Steph Curry's hands, man, when you're out there trying to make a tackle and then just absolutely have a blunderous loss like that. It just makes no sense at all. Just stay in your lane, bro. Just play football. Try to be a difference maker before you go out there and start saying stuff. This has been a fun show. Uh, it's usually a little bit longer than this. I know that, uh, but we are missing a, a third of our... Our, our uh, amigos here, if you will, uh, we don't have the uh, whole structure, but we will be back next week, guys, to hopefully have all that back. It's been one of those weird weird weeks where I know everyone's getting hit with the bug right now. Hopefully the Chiefs don't get hit with the bug this week. Hopefully they go out there and hit the Broncos with the, with the W-bomb, if you will. This is nevertheless, it's been a fun show, guys. We really do appreciate all you that have already subscribed. If you're not though, hit us up on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification button if you'd like. Uh, we love it every single week when we hear from you guys, get interaction from you guys. And again, thank you to Starcade Media for what they do for us, man, each and every week when they promote our shows on their platforms. They have a big, big, big following. They got a lot of other good shows on there as well. Arrowhead Allies, the Kingdom Queens. They got a lot of good shows out there. Definitely give them a follow as well, guys. But for Eddie Ortiz, for the great Clay Windler that puts all this stuff together I'm Lance Twinwell episode 196 of the spoken podcast is done finished infinito and until we're here one week's time from today talking about the Chiefs hopefully getting back that one seed we out of this bitch hey We're gonna get bad at this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned into the spoke. I might actually stick- I might actually stick around for a little bit.